Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Be There in Five podcast. I'm Kate Kennedy, your host. Today, we have a very special installment as a part of our Under the Influencer series. And before we get started, as always, typically I'll spend the first 15, 20 minutes kind of explaining why I love this person, what connection I have to them. We'll share a funny anecdote or two and then move into the interview. So if you want to skip ahead to the interview, by all means, go ahead. My podcast uh, is is designed to be more of a deep dive. They're longer form. They're more in-depth, and I want to be able to cover a wide range of topics. And this on the entire episode was so good. I I cut nothing out. I usually am able to trim, but it just so happens I have a lot to say about this person due to my own personal experience. And the the point of this series is to explore the, the art and the science of influence and not in a way that necessarily means selling sponsored content or, you know, doing swipe up links and try on hauls. But in terms of social media being uh, giving people the ability to reach large amounts of people every single day. And and what are you going to do with it? How are you going to add value to their lives? And my guest today, Caitlin James Alsup of Caitlin James Photography, of KJL Access, of KJ Education, different KJP than the dude who photoshops fall foliage onto Vermont farmhouses that like can only reasonably be from Hansel and Gretel's era. Same initials, different people. Every time I talk about KJP, the fall foliage enthusiast, people think I'm talking about Caitlin James, very different people who I have very different thoughts about. There were several reasons why I couldn't wait to to talk to Caitlin and, and interview her for this podcast. And one piece of this is because in a world where, you know, influence can be used to just sell things, to just push your own agenda, to feign some level of vulnerability in exchange for some sort of reaction from people. Caitlin is one of the few, if not only, person I follow that genuinely approaches, has always approached her audience, whether it's on her blog, Instagram, Facebook, etc., with such sincerity, with such authenticity, and with such transparency about what's going on in her life. And I'm I'm particularly fascinated by her for several reasons. One, I am a huge, huge fan. I have followed her for so, so long. And she's probably the reason I opened a Pinterest account. Like this girl runs Pinterest. She her wedding aesthetic is, I think, one of the original pioneers of the kind of bright, airy, ethereal wedding photography style that we know today i think she's like the original inventor of the preset and the instagram feed flow her aesthetic i think was so widely adopted nationally and all the stuff people are doing these days with like trying to make their nine block fierce caitlin's uh, truly like instagram was probably invented everybody was using it to edit photos and she was probably like these editing tools are garbage let me run my own through lightroom and optimize this nine block are you people insane there needs to be a balance of verticals horizontals single shots still life shots and group shots like she like her, her brain fascinates me she's so so brilliant on this episode not only do we talk through her business mind i mean most of you probably know who she is if not Go to at Caitlin James on Instagram, K-A-T-E-L-Y-N-J-A-M-E-S, and take a look, and you'll know what I'm talking about. Um, she is kind enough to share with us you know, how she got started, how she built, how she sustained, how she committed to innovation and an effort to be able to scale, which is an incredibly hard thing for a creative entrepreneur. How do you grow? How do you expand? How do you add value to your community? She talks through how she's used social media, not only for her business, but through 
her blog, which was an original huge source of engagement for her business, which is how I originally found her. I was glued to that blog. And now to what is more so transferred over to Instagram and Instagram stories and also how she kind of sets boundaries and makes decisions as it relates to what she chooses to share. And uh, if you guys follow Caitlin, you are probably aware that I think a hallmark of her business is is her commitment to providing an honest depiction of her life that is that is void of agenda because she really does make, you know, whether your photography client her Instagram follower, her reader, whatever it may be, her student, she makes you feel like you're her friend. And normally I would say you're not the friend of any public figure, but like I'd argue we really are all her friends. Like she's that nice of a person. She is that kind hearted. And over the past several years, as she's experienced different seasons in her life and had children, she's been very transparent about what's gone on behind the scenes in her life, good and bad peaks and valleys, as she calls them. And in the back half of this episode, She shares her experience with motherhood, not only talking about her beautiful, adorable, incredible children, Evie and Graham, but also discusses her experience with the the unimaginable loss of her son, James, at 31 weeks. I, I so respect and admire her decision to choose impact and choose purpose and to be a, a source of hope that she needed during that experience and to speak about something that people need to hear when they're in unspeakable pain and uh, how for her and, and her family, the the power of social media and the power of sharing ensures what we all already know to be true, but perhaps in a more tangible way, which is the length of one's life in in no way dictates the depth or duration of one's legacy. And I'm so appreciative for her sitting down with me and for being so open. I think it's an incredibly important conversation for us to have as women um, and men. I This podcast is 99% women, um, maybe or two. Hi, Michael. Hi, dad. I'm not sure if there's other men out there listening, but I it really is so special to me that she's sharing on this platform. I just I, I love her so much. And to, to followers, to love her, to know her is to love her, to be her friend is truly uh, an honor that 2010 me would have never believed. And the reason I know her now that I didn't mention before is because I had the joy and pleasure of her being my wedding photographer in 2017. I got married in Italy in a town called Verena, which is a small fishing village, um, on Lake Como, which is near where I studied abroad. And um, I've I've talked about my wedding in the podcast before, but to me, Italy is like, uh, it can be a fortune, don't get me wrong, but there's a lot of pockets of, in Italian villages where weddings aren't commoditized the way they are in the US. And when we were pricing around in Chicago and Virginia, and we had like a crazy idea to get married in Italy because it's my favorite place in the world. It's my husband and I had been several times together. I studied abroad in the Swiss Alps, which were 40 minutes from where we got married. When we started asking around, we were like, oh, my God, they don't charge venue fees. There's no they they, they charge you for what you eat and drink. They won't take gratuity. It ended up being this like incredibly cost efficient option if people were so willing to go. And, you know, I don't know if it's a coincidence or not, but the church where I got married no longer allows Americans, uh, <laughs> probably because I have a binder there with the priest because I'm technically not Catholic and my husband is. And it was this whole thing. And I'll tell the story another day. But, you know, who's to say? Who's to say? But truly, it was the best decision I've ever made. It was such a joyful time. It was such a special 
experience for us and our guests. And honestly, I could thank the food. I could thank the wine. I could thank the water, the mountains, the cathedral, my groom, like my friends and family. Like there's so many things I had to be. I am so grateful for for that day that I loved so dearly that drove so much of, of the experience. But when I tell you that above and beyond all that, hands down, the best decision that I could have ever made was to have Caitlin and Michael there. Um, they, y- y- when you plan a wedding, vendors do this stuff all the time. They're very on autopilot. It's very disenchanting. And I hadn't met them till they came to Italy. They flew out with their 10 week old baby from Virginia and her sister and her sister's husband and their, I think, 12, 14 week old baby shot the wedding for 12 hours with a smile on their face. They basically had to serve as makeshift wedding coordinators because my wedding planner was god awful and my mom and i were like we were just having too much fun to pay attention to the schedule like we had no idea what was going on she like ran the cadence of our reception she like i i I swear it was like having it was like better than a maid of honor it was like i don't know what a lady in waiting does i feel like i remember hearing about that with kate middleton's wedding but truly i feel like She's always doing her job running the entire room, but also paying really close attention to what I was doing. And I'm clueless. At one point, I missed part of my cocktail hour because I was a little bit seasick from this boat we went on. And Michael, like, brought me food from, like, the aperitif hour that I I would never have gotten food. Otherwise, he was like, have you eaten? And I was like, no, maybe that's why I'm sick. And maybe it's because I had 14 glasses of wine at my rehearsal dinner. I, he carried my dress through, like, the shrubbery where we were, we were shooting, even though I assured him my veil was... Was this gorgeous cathedral veil, but it was $30 and it was from China. And am I proud? No. Was I on a budget? Yeah. What are you going to do? At one point, Caitlin watches me ball up my veil, stick it under my seat at the reception while I was eating dinner. And she comes over. She's like, I think you might want this later. Takes it from me, lays it out in another room. And sure enough, we use it later for like what becomes my favorite photo of like the entire day. I, I, I cannot even tell you how much their energy, their professionalism, their kindness, their humor, their dynamic between each other. I mean, for them to get Greg and I from being like people that really don't like photos to being like work, work, pose, pose. Like we were like uh, machines by the end of the day and we really had the best time. And I think, I don't know, I, I, I honestly can't, I can't say enough good things. I don't think anybody can say enough good things. Um, before we get into the interview, I just have to read you this because as anybody who's planned a wedding knows, you get to a point where you're literally bleeding money and you're just like, yeah, we'll just add this. Yeah, we'll just add this. And like every single tiny incremental fee just seems like huge. And it's, it's, it becomes very difficult. And, um, when I emailed Caitlin looking for a photographer, because we were looking to hire an Italian wedding photographer, I was like, no, 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 no. I had followed this type of style I wanted for so long and had this beautiful location. And I couldn't, in Italy, it really is very black and white, very editorial, very not my style. Um, And I was like, well, maybe we could get somebody from the US. Like I could never afford Caitlin James and she's pregnant, but she's like all I've ever wanted in photos. I decide maybe like, okay, maybe she's trained somebody who has her aesthetic and I'll email her like total shot in the dark being, asking if, she thinks that anybody she trained and trusts would really like an Italian location for their portfolio. Uh, very, very much expecting nothing. <laughs> and she writes back and it was so nice and was like, I'll come and basically did me a huge favor and we made it work. And 
you know, I think as a lot of uh, a lot of brides probably experience their grooms, perhaps don't really understand the value of photos and don't really understand like why it matters. And they're like, well, my friend Brian, you know, he has a, he has a Canon Boynton shoot. Can he do the photos? And it's like, no. And I I'm kind of stupid because I don't know why. I just thought that he was not really going to think photos were as important as important as they were and i was worried he wasn't going to understand side by side like why this italian these italian photographers were not going to cut it so after caitlin emails me back i decide to make a powerpoint presentation for my husband pitching to him why this is you know it's really it's really non-negotiable but i was I think at the time I had just been strong arming so much stuff. I was trying and he's so analytic. I was trying to be like, okay, how can I get what I want, but explain it in a way that like he'll process. <laughs> and I found my introductory paragraph. Um, not only was I reading this incredibly dramatically, but I was also reading it uh, while Nickelback's photograph was playing. In retrospect, I might've gone with Kid Rock and Cheryl Crow's picture, but I knew Nickelback would make him laugh. And there's only two things that, really you know jolt adrenaline and those are fear and laughter now the money part usually induces fear i figured nickelback could serenade me through these very important words that would hopefully ultimately get me to be able to book my dream photographer and from here we'll go into the interview but the words i told greg before i'd ever met her before i knew her at all um and this was in 20 summer i think of 2016 and i said I was once a young girl, fresh out of college, when I came across a young entrepreneur I really looked up to. She was a kind redhead from outside of Richmond who had a side hustle in high school hand-painting ceramic bowls. She reminded me of myself taking up obscure creative projects just for the joy of it, who did photography on the side in college. Even when she was just starting, I was obsessed with her aesthetic and loyally followed her for the next seven years. When she married her high school sweetheart six years ago, I followed her ever so closely, pinning her details, noting her vendors, and appreciating the genuine joy at which she approached not only her own but her customers' weddings as well through her blog. I thought to myself, how how great would it be to one day have such an important, tension-ridden, nerve-wracking day eased with a joyful, experienced, professional person who already knows what looks good and how to do it? As a lifelong, self-conscious, crooked-faced, turkey-necked picture-taker, I cannot emphasize my anxiety about being in such a beautiful location and not liking my wedding pictures. Sorry, I had to turn off Chad Kroger. <laughs> um, I trust that even if I have a fantastic Sam's quality homecoming style wedding updo or an oompa loompa orange spray tan that's bleeding on my secondhand dress she will somehow still make me look like an angel someone who understands the balance between artful but not cheesy who will post process until i look pretty and who will not charge 25 dollars per photo and watermark the crap out of them to prevent our usage i followed her for seven years she's a really nice joyful person her husband is a second shooter. They're seasoned professionals and their style was made for our location. For them to make it work to travel with the baby within our budget when I asked for her to refer me to someone because I figured I'd never be able to make it work and have her come is weirdly serendipitous to me and you know how I feel about coincidences. I've attached example photos, reviews, links to her portfolio, and I'm happy to provide more information. Once our wedding day has passed, the flowers will be gone, the food will be gone, the guests will be gone. I'll hopefully turn a small profit on my dress. But the one thing we'll have our photographs. If there is one thing not to cheap out on, it's our memories. They are all we have. Thank you and good night. And, you know, when I say I, I love the quote, it's it's important to be loved. It's profound to be understood. 
I think you understand why it's important that I found my husband, because that is some very um, alarmingly detailed psychotic behavior for what just could have been a forward of an email being like, hey, sup, can we get this wedding photographer? But I only read that to you so you understand my back history with how much it meant to me, how much it will always mean to me that she was there. My family loved her. My guests loved her. I I just will never, ever be able to say enough glowing things about a person who I genuinely am not blowing smoke. And I don't mean to overstate. I just think in every sense of the word, Caitlin James Alsop is, is truly a special, special human being. And... Yeah, I hope you enjoy the interview. Caitlin, we love you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you for sitting down with me for two hours. I know you did not have that weekend. Left in this part where my sister comes in because it is just too on the nose with something. <laughs> it makes me laugh so hard. Caitlin's like, I'm telling her that I I like have a lot of self-consciousness about my shortcomings domestically and I'm just not super like maternal. My attention to detail is not there. Gifting, like I'm just, I'm not... I'm not I I struggle with a lot of things that would make somebody a a good wife and mother. And I talk about how my sister is just like outstanding at these things. And like clockwork, my sister walks in (laughs) to pick me up and listen to what she says. Makes me laugh so hard. Anyways. okay, enjoy really quick before we get started. In this way, we can just listen to the interview straight through. But I wanted to shout out our sponsor for this week, especially in in, in the spirit of female entrepreneurship is a company founded for women by women and is a modern approach to feminine care. And the company is called Lola. And what it is, is a company that offers a line of organic cotton tampons, pads, liners, all natural cleansing wipes. The founders started it with with a a fairly simple idea in terms of women not compromising when it comes to their feminine care products and kind of asking themselves, like, if we care about the ingredients in our food and in beauty products, like, why wouldn't the same be true of feminine care products. And this is kind of news to me, but major brands use a, a mix of synthetic ingredients in their products like rayon and polyester. And feminine care products can also be treated with like chemical cleansing agents, fragrances, dyes. And Lola products are 100% organic cotton with no added chemicals, fragrances, synthetics, or dyes. And it's designed to not only be, be, be keep you safe, but also make your month a little bit easier. And the subscription is is fully customizable. You can choose your mix of products, absorbency, number of boxes, frequency of delivery. It's flexible and you can change, skip or cancel anytime. And even better, for every purchase, they donate feminine care products to homeless shelters across the US. So I love th- their products. I love their mission. I love their commitment to giving back and to adding transparency and, and accountability in an industry that, that has an alarming lack of disclosure, to be quite honest, for for what the product is. And um, I know for like, I don't know, I, I'm not I'm not the person that like gets a good chuckle out of sending my husband to the pharmacy. I am I am a more discreet gal. So color me excited when I found out that it was a it just is automatically delivered. It's a discreet box. It's personalized. I love that it's just automatic. It comes to you. It's incredibly com- convenient and discreet and has everything you need and is so flexible. And I-, I don't know, I'm just a huge fan. Female founded, keeps you safe, focused on transparency, gives back. It's everything I love in a company. And if you want to try out Lola, go to mylola.com and get 30% off your first month subscription with code be there in five. That's mylola.com, 30% off with code be there in five, F I V E, not the number, and give it a try. 
unlike my wedding veil that was $30 from China and is probably made of radioactive materials, for, you know, the things that go on and in our bodies and important areas, I think it's very important that we're mindful of what our products are comprised of. And um, I just think it's an awesome company. So mylola.com, code be there in five. And now to the episode. So as you all know, I have a series on this podcast that I like to do called Under the Influencer, where we kind of get to know the people who we think we know through the lens of blogs and Instagram and Facebook and the like. My guest today, while not an influencer by trade, has enormous influence on me, on many of you that I know are only here because of her, because (laughs) you follow me because she posted my photos. And uh, the millions of people who have seen her signature aesthetic on Pinterest, her blog, and the countless other photographers that have followed in her footsteps. And what's unique about her is that instead of building just a photography business, she built an entire brand. And instead of building a service, she invented an experience that I'd argue is the makings of an empire. And instead of completing competing with her peers in a highly competitive business, she chose to lift the industry as a whole and share all of her secrets. And instead of being a stiff vendor shrouded in professional boundaries, she so brilliantly positions herself as what every bride needs on their wedding day, a cheerleader and a best friend who just happens to have a camera. I followed her since 2010, spent hours in Lightroom trying to figure out how to make my photos look like they were developed in a dark room from the heavens, <laughs> laughed and cried along with her as she's been an arbiter of joy and vulnerability on her platforms. And in 2017, when she agreed she'd shoot my wedding in Italy, I probably hugely offended my then fiance by telling him it was the best day of my life, despite him having just proposed to me a few weeks prior. So I'm so happy to have here with me photographer, entrepreneur, educator, maybe owner, founder of The Color Teal, and now hopefully my friend in real life too, Caitlin James Alsop. This is so fun. <laughs> I feel like I need to take that snippet and put it on all of my about me sections. <laughs> I know. It's tra- I always do these long intros and I know it's probably weird to hear them in person, but I just want people to know, like, I don't just pick people at random. Right. You know, you, right. you've meant so much to me and my family and I probably played it cool when I reached out to you, but like, I've been here for a decade. <laughs> oh, you're like, I've been around the block. Yeah. I, I remember 10, 10, 10. You remember the way? Yes, I do. Yeah. I mean, honestly... That's the best type of bride. Like those are the best emails to get. And when I got your email, I literally, I remember telling Michael, cause I think, was I pregnant then? Or you did? were. Yes. I remember saying, looking at the calendar, realizing, oh my gosh, if I could shoot this wedding, I know we'd have our first kid. This baby would be 10 weeks old, but I've got to go to Italy. This is my dream. And he's like, okay, we'll make it happen. I'm like, oh my gosh, yes. So oh best day of my life as well, not just yours. I've never, I, I knew you were pregnant. So I figured there was, there was no way. So I had emailed you kind of on a whim, like a very long email, just being like, long story short, I know this, this isn't something you could probably do, but if you train somebody, I'd trust them. Yes. And I wanted to know who you had taught that maybe you would want Italy for their like portfolio. And I'm like, no, no, I want it. I, <laughs> I I was shocked and like, truly it was, I mean, yeah, I talk about my wedding a lot on this podcast, but like, I don't know what we would have done if you hadn't been there. Oh my gosh. I would, here's the thing. If I hadn't have been able to go, I would have to unfollow the person who did get to go because I'd be (laughs) so jealous. Um, But it's one of those things where after we shot your wedding, I like looked at Michael. I'm like, that was just, it was so fun for me because there were a lot of things we were just talking about this, that were not stressful about your day, decisions you had made that were just brilliant. Um, And it was so joyful, but it's also the most epic location. Mm. I mean, I have never seen a view like that for a wedding. I've never seen like photo. Do you remember when you emailed, you're like, do you think we should rent a boat? And I'm like, oh, yes. (laughs) And now I look at your photos. I'm like, what if we didn't have that boat? I think I booked that like the week before. Yes, you did. 
You did. I um the the it's, an, it's so lame. Their video for John Legend's song "All of Me." Yes. The music video is him and Chrissy Teigen on a boat in Lake Como, and I was watching the music video, and I was like, "Why wouldn't I do that? <laughs> I could do that. <laughs> that were anything what's, like that. What's a one-hour boat rental like?" That right. can't be that bad. Right. And like, oh, it's, it's bad. those decisions you make that at the time you feel like you're bleeding money, but those small things that you really want are just so important to just like figure it out. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, you know, motion sickness aside. Okay. Tell it's worth it. I, okay. So you did, you had a moment of feeling sick, but I will tell you, you were the funniest person in the middle of motion sickness. I didn't even know. I oh, had really? no idea you felt bad. Oh yeah. I was dying. Well, it was, but like, I I knew I, you know, it's just those things you, I I didn't care. I wasn't like trying to go back ashore. You're like, I'm going to puke in his lap, but (laughs) it's fine. Look at these portraits. I think the whole day until the reception, I'm sure a lot of brides feel this way. You just don't really feel like yourself. It's a lot. Oh yeah. And I think I was just happy. Honestly, the introvert in me was happy to like step away for a hot minute. Yeah. Even though, you know, it was like the five of us with the boat driver or whatever. Um, That was actually such a fun moment. It was. And they were blasting Andrea Bocelli. Yes, <laughs> they were. I forgot that because Michael took like one Insta story, which he took. He should have taken more. Remember, he did that one little clip. Oh, yeah. I you still could, have it. I love it. You could hear the music in the background. Yeah, I do remember any photographers that are listening to this will appreciate it. But the boat driver just could not understand why I wanted the boat to stay at a certain direction. Mm-hmm. Lightwise. Um, and I, I remember feeling bad saying like, oh, sir. And I don't, I guess he spoke English, but I was talking so fast. He probably had no idea what I was saying. But I remember thinking, I just am begging this man to keep the boat facing this way right. for the for light purposes. And he did a great job, but the boat really was kind of just going in circles, right. which is probably why you felt sick. <laughs> That's what's happening because you wanted him to stay in one direction, but he was kind of drifting. Then he'd be like, sorry. Yes. Uh, and yes. like, yes. you're completely doing like a 45 degree turn. I was like, oh my God. Um, <laughs> but no, that was like such a fun experience. And like, I always tell people, perhaps the biggest compliment I can give is that people come up to you and they're like, I, I knew they would love the setting. And when people are like, oh my God, we just like absolutely love. And I was like, you know, venue, view, water, whatever. Right. But they'd be like, you're photographers. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. My parents and I were dying. We we're like, I know they're the best. Like only in Italy can Caitlin and Michael be as, <laughs> as perfect as the scenery. People no. just loved you. It's an no. energy thing. And we'll talk about that later, but okay. truly. Yeah. You guys, so funny. I, it was such a joy to have you. And I, it's weird that until yesterday I hadn't seen you since then. I know. Like we've never seen each other in our own country. Right. Cause yeah. I didn't do an engagement session. Right. And so I didn't meet Caitlin until we got to Italy. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you guys read her blog, you might've, I, <laughs> I just have to get this out of the way. I, this is one of my big points about you in terms of you, um, you know, the nature of your job is every day of your job is the biggest day of somebody else's, right? Yes. Can't yes. be off. Right. Can't be tired. Can't no. be low energy. Right. Caitlin had probably one of the most hectic, difficult trying days <laughs> of her life before in Italy. Never told us. No. And no, she was no, as no. happy as a clam. <laughs> we would have never known. No. A lot of people would have had trouble bouncing back. I, yes. Could you give you a know, high level of what happened? I feel like And I I told you this, I was so nervous. It was probably the stress of what happened before, which I'm sure we'll explain. Mm -hmm. Um, Plus the idea that I had never met you. So I'm just hoping that you weren't like a bridezilla crazy Mm -hmm. person. I just don't know you at all. And so anyway, 
when I walked in, met your sweet mom, mm-hmm. then met you, met your sister, met the family. I'm like, okay, this is good. <laughs> this is going to be a good day. And it was, it was so easy for us. Like, I just felt like when I remember it, I feel like I had so much creative freedom. I had so much portrait time. No one was weird. Like no one. Everyone oh, just trusted so nice. me. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, this is great. You just like went with the flow and you had no, no practice with like posing. You just like got into it and I loved it. So it was an easy day and it wasn't stressful. If there were, had, I think if there were a lot of stressful moments, the stress of like the day before would have like tripled over on that and may have had a little meltdown, but that didn't happen. <laughs> I was fine. It was great. Cause you brought your 10 week old, 10 week old. Yes. And I brought my sister and her husband to watch our 10 week old, but they had a 14 week old. Yes. <laughs> so we have two newborns, first time parents, both of us traveling internationally. And I have a big job to do. And we're both exclusively breastfeeding. Just a lot of things that don't normally go together. All the so, things. Yeah. And yeah. The, the long story short of what happened is the day before they had two simultaneous issues that I think are in- interesting to tell, not only for the story, but also because of like things go wrong. Yes. And you just have to figure it out. Yeah. And that's a risk you're taking, especially internationally. Yes. And especially um, in, in Italy at Lake Como, because you are not near many things. No, 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 you not know. at all. You don't have like a test code. It's like a fishing village. Yes. It is so small. And I remember thinking to myself, one of the things that happened is that, um, we blew up my breast pump. Um, <laughs> and it literally was smoking something about the power and the adapter. Something was wrong. And we didn't just blow a, like a fuse in our Airbnb. The entire hillside of the Airbnbs was blown and we had to call the like high ups of the people that own, not just the person that owns that, but who owns the whole company. And they had to give us a code to go find a little hut around the corner and literally fl- flip a huge power switch for the whole hillside. It's like toying with like several people's homes. Oh, yes, <laughs> because of my breast pump. Because of your breast pump. Yeah. That is crazy. And I thought to myself, oh, there's no way I'm going to find a Modelo replacement part no. in Lake Como. So there, it was just a little terrifying. So I'm sure any mom that's listening is like, what the heck did you do? I had a hand pump. So all was well, but I did think to myself, this is kind of scary because I can't even just run to the, there's no Walmart around the corner. Right. So even a decade in, you're still like finding yourself in new situations. You have to work your way through. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it was, I mean, obviously I could talk about my own wedding all the live long day, but, um, (laughs) it it was epic. (laughs) Don't you feel like people are like, you know, you talk about it all the time, but I can tell you as someone who was there, it's worth, talking about it was so good oh i'm so glad so to hear that. i mean you just never know it's like i'm sure everybody thinks theirs is the best but no. when you do so many of them your toast didn't you say something about almost everyone in a yeah, everyone had their own couplet yes <laughs> and it was so good the whole time you were saying your the thing like going through the whole list and just like it was seamless i was just looking over at michael and like mouthing to him like this is amazing <laughs> Who is this girl? This is so good. I really felt like I I wanted people to feel, know how thankful I was. And I think yes. one thing with every bride is you just walk away feeling like you didn't have enough time. Mm-hmm. And I, I would have hated, I wanted people to feel special and I wanted them to feel called out. And I feel like it's a very um, universal human experience of excitement when you, you waiting for yourself to be spoken about publicly. Yes. And oh, I yeah. kind of wanted, I thought that would be like a really nice thing to tie people together. And what was so cool about it is it weeded out like any weird invite, you know, like every wedding there's 
yes. secondary, tertiary people that you love, but yes. aren't your closest. Right, right. But it was literally, I knew every single person at my wedding. Nobody had a date I didn't know. Right. It was, oh, so awesome. I was kind of in a unique position to do that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that that could have, you could have thought I was insane or enjoyed it. No, <laughs> sure. I enjoyed it. And I don't even know who you were talking about. Right. I enjoyed it because it really is truly the greatest gift, I think, to people. Because they remember that forever and they will never remember a favor. You know what I mean? Right. Like I'm going home with limoncello cookies. and You're like, well, that's great. But I really remember what she said about me. So. Oh, right. I think that that made an impact. I think my mom was trying to give like limoncello almonds. I'm like allergic to almonds. (laughs) You're like, mom, that's not a good (laughs) choice. Let's not go to the ER on my own wedding night. Thank you. Um, (laughs) Again, we're at Lake Como. There's no urgent care around the corner. (laughs) Exactly. So, okay. You started, I followed you since 2010, but when exactly did you get started? 2008. In so college. August of 2008. Mm-hmm. So my junior year of college. And I started really small, but honestly, not that many people were doing this. Um, no. It was the, the beauty of the timeline of my career is that I started before the wave hit. It's like I started and two or three years later, the whole world decided that they wanted to be photographers. Mm-hmm. And I had just enough headway to like be a leader and mm-hmm. help people. And I had just enough leg up to become kind of like a pioneer. Whereas if I had started five years later, I don't think any of this would be what it is now. It might have been a, a portion of it, but I think what we are experiencing now is because of the timing of it all, which is crazy. It's just the the growth of the internet and the growth mm-hmm. of technology. I just was positioned at a really good time. And that can't, that can't take all the credit for it, but I do think it had a lot to do with it. I think. Well, it's funny because I would argue that a lot of what it is today is because of people like you that made it what it is because it wasn't a thing then. And I feel like I, so you started, I feel like I remember you saying at one point, like, which I love because I agree with this too, as a creative person, you weren't like, you didn't spend your whole life wanting to be a photographer. No, I wanted to be a veterinarian. Really? (laughs) I'm the person who's like kind of handed off my dog because I'm I'm not in the animal phase anymore. (laughs) No, I did not. I I knew I loved graphic design in high school. MacBook Pros came out and Mm -hmm. I got my first one and I did yearbook and I would make these weird graphic things that I thought were awesome. Like these, I don't even know what they were, but I printed them and put them in my bedroom. Like word art. (laughs) Word art. Yeah. I'm like, look, this is called a layer. I was like so into it. Um, so I thought that would be my world, graphic design. Mm. And then I got an internship that was horrible and it was the greatest gift of my life because mm. not the greatest gift. I have children. I can't say that. Oh, um, greatest <laughs> professional. Yeah. Greatest professional <laughs> gift because I hated having a boss and I quickly realized I want to create something on my own. Like I want to be my own boss and I want to use, surely I can find a way to make money doing something creative. Mm-hmm. There's gotta be a way. Mm-hmm. And it was wedding photography. But so, did, did you just randomly shoot a wedding? So I assisted someone shooting a wedding. I was the girl in college that took pictures of every event with my little tiny Point DSLR. Shoot. Well, I had a, it was a starter for a DSLR from eBay. It was $900 for the whole kit. It was horrible quality. It was a little Canon Rebel XTI. And I just thought I knew what I was doing. And I took pictures of everyone and everything. Like friends are going to play volleyball. Caitlin was there with her camera. I was so I annoying. That. But our college years are the most well-documented college years of anyone's life. I mean, everyone talks about like, Caitlin has 500 Facebook albums of pictures just from college events. <laughs> oh, I was going to say that that was like such an event, like on a Sunday, you plug in oh, for the rest of us, our point and shoot. Yep. You upload every photo. Don't edit a single one, nor do you take one out. That's a duplicate. <laughs> no. 
You literally post everything yeah. to Facebook. Yeah. And it's like, funny. It was always a fun game when someone, somebody tags you and you're like, oh gosh, here we go. Here we go. And figure out how to untag. But every friend group needs a friend that's mm-hmm. that's into that because otherwise you don't- Have any pictures. Have any pictures. Yeah. So then you decided like from that event, from assisting, like, I really like this. I'm good at this. You already knew you like taking pictures of other people. Yeah. I So I shot two weddings with this friend in college who had already had an established business for a couple of years. Um, Jessica Smith, I always need to give her a shout out because she literally was like, she got me started. Mm-hmm. Um, and she still shoots to this day, like up in DC. So um, I loved shooting and I just realized personality wise, I thought, I, I just wonder if I could do this. Not that her, her way was amazing. I mean, she's an amazing photographer, but I just wondered, I'm like, I think I have a personality that where I could grow this and I might be able to do it the way I've never seen other people do it before. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't really think long and hard about that. I just thought, I think I can do it. And then it started evolving into kind of my own version of mm-hmm. wedding photography. And I loved it. I loved the creative side. And then I found myself thriving on the personal side, which is something I didn't expect. Mm-hmm. Um, or being just very self-aware of what people need, if that makes sense. Yes, 100%. Being able to look at them and be like, he's not comfortable. What do I, I can fix this. And knowing what to say to make them feel like, no, 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 you're killing it. Like you're, you're doing great. I don't know. I just feel like little pieces and parts started to come together and it started to be like this supernatural thing to me. Mm-hmm. And then when other people started realizing that I had a, I, I don't know which a gift for it, I guess it's weird to talk about yourself. I know it is, you but you, you have a gift for okay, it. Okay. I can, I can second I that. Like that. <laughs> um, then when other people started reassuring me that it wasn't all in my head, then I really started to get confident about charging more and growing. And that's just how it started. Well, and there's two pieces to that, to the growth too. That's obviously the talent of being a photographer and the actual wedding day itself. Right. But then there's the digital piece. Right. And I think what, what separates you hugely is like, you know, we were, that was an era where everything was watermarked. Yes. Carefully held back. Yes. Everything was very much hoarded and managed by the photographers. And I, my experience was that the, the interactions were so transactional. Yes. Just a very oh. stiff vendor vibe. Yes. On, on, at least when I was a bridesmaid. Right. And I think what you, without maybe with, yeah, realizing it or not, saw value mm-hmm. in being a person. Yes. With a personality. Yes. <laughs> and also in how to leverage what was just getting popular. Right. Which were, you know, blogs. Yes. Like, cause oh do, you, do you think the blog is kind of the, what, what digital thing you did is we think primarily responsible for it was the blog. Yeah. And it, it's not the blog anymore. Um, that has just evolved into yeah. more of Instagram, but, um, but my life has evolved too. Like I, exactly. I don't blog like I used to, but the blog used to be this like highly, um, like people used to talk in college and be like, do you think we're going to be on the blog? Like, <laughs> I mean, they would say things like that and it's because no one else had one. And mm-hmm. it was, I would sit in comm class and, look three years over and there's like a random girl in a sorority. Like I have no idea who she is, but she's looking at my last blog post that I put up this morning. And I'm like, that's crazy. This is becoming a thing. Yeah. And then I started hearing about friends at other schools like Virginia tech, JMU. And they'd say like, Oh my gosh, Caitlin, two or three girls were like looking at your last wedding. And I'm like, do you know this girl? Cause I know her from back home. And they're like, no, no, no. We just love following her. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so weird. Yeah. And then I started booking people from not just my circle of friends, but, you know, outward and other schools and other like, you know, from DC and Charlottesville. And then I started to like, oh my gosh, I'm like doubling my prices every six months. 
And it just kind of catapulted from there. But it was so yes, the blog was like, it's like the queen bee of all of my marketing strategies. Yeah. Um, even recently, like I still know that the blog has, I mean, I can put nothing on the blog and still have thousands of people checking every day right. to see if maybe one, like I'm posting once, twice, maybe three times a month, but there are people going every day looking for new content. I'm like, oh, really should give something to them. <laughs> Those poor people. Oh. No, but it's also probably a ton of brides. Like people just look, they need info, ven- vendors, venues, like yeah, looking at their stuff. I'm sure a lot of it, the traffic's from Pinterest sure. and yes, that, and that was, yeah, I think that the industry's just changed. Like blog, I mean, blogs are still like a thing, but anymore it's, it's real time content wins mm-hmm. and it yes. take those things take so long to put together. Yes. And at a point it just is like, mm-hmm. you know, you got to adapt. Yes. But the, um, what I also like too, that I think is kind of a hallmark of your business is I remember you saying like, you know, I could alter my, my copy, the way I write and speak to my clients to be more, you know, traditional professional, Mm -hmm. but you're like, I use a lot of exclamation marks. Like the way I write is how I speak. Yes. And you kind of made a conscious decision to write how you talk. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what made it so much fun to read because it was like you were speaking to a girlfriend and not like somebody who was overthinking the narrative. Yes. The battle of like, am I not being professional enough? Well, I don't really care because I matter. don't want to, no one's going to care if I sound like everyone else and no one else is really blogging. So I had no like example of who to actually, my example was my wedding photographer, Jasmine Starr. Jasmine Starr. Yeah. Yes. still crushing it. Still. Yes, she is total, total different world. She like really pivoted, but she's like kind of in like the heyday of like, she's doing what she loves. And mm-hmm. I, I really look up to her because she really, in a lot of ways was a sacrificial lamb for like wedding photography industry because she was so big and grew so fast and was killing it. But she started doing things differently first. A lot of times people were like, oh, like Caitlin, you were, and I'm like, no, no, Jasmine was really, she did it differently first and she was criticized big time for that. And people had a hard time seeing, I feel like how successful she was um, hmm. and how, she, how differently she did things. Like, um, and the fact that she knew she wasn't the best technical shooter she didn't have this, these amazing images. They were beautiful. But I think she would even say, like, they weren't groundbreaking. Mm-hmm. But all the rest of the older industry was like, she did, why is she so popular? You know? That's, in, that's like interesting from like an insider world. Yes. Nobody like me would ever know that. Yeah. Yeah. She had a lot of stuff that she had to overcome. Mm-hmm. People, just haters. And it, I mean, and I'm like, she's just being herself. You know, she's right. just, and people just don't like her success. So, to me, I feel like I looked at her as an example, but I didn't get all the crap that she got. I, I just kind of looked at her as an example and she wrote like she talked. And I loved that. And I feel like I took my own spin off of that and tried mm-hmm. to do it in, the, in a Caitlin way. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't Jasmine. Jasmine was the very first one, in my opinion, who did that well. And now, I mean, she has an empire with social curator, like being able to teach people about social media. Mm -hmm. Um, But that came at a cost. And that cost was several years in the photography industry being loved and hated simultaneously. Mm -hmm. I would say more loved than hated. Right. But all it takes are a few haters to really. Oh, literally one. Yes. (laughs) Really derails your day. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So she was kind of, I get what you're saying. Like at that point, photographers weren't like personal brands. Right. And she was so personal. And so honest about Mm -hmm. her journey. That's the other thing. She shared about how she started from nothing. Mm -hmm. And 
that was like so taboo. Like you don't do that. Oh yeah. You don't talk about how you didn't go to photography school. Why would you want anyone to know that? You're faking it till you make it. Yes. Yeah. And when you make it, you never go back. Mm -hmm. You don't talk about that stuff. But Jasmine did. And it gave me permission. I think I would say I share more personally and always have than her, um, especially in the recent years. But when it came to like sharing vulnerable sides of growing a business, she was the queen of that. And people just loved it. Yeah. But people who have been trying to build a business and hers just, she just bypassed them. And they've been trying for 20 years to grow. They just didn't like it. Oh, of course. And so it it's interesting to me. I've actually never thought about that until now, but I really, I should send her a fruit basket. <laughs> I should do something. <laughs> a little Harry and David, yeah, something yeah, like that. Because yeah. I, yeah, I remember, it's funny. I mean, I remember all of this. She shot your wedding and she was kind of a mentor to you. And at yes. the time I didn't realize you'd only been doing it for two years. Because I feel like in 2010, you were already pretty big. I mean, in terms of the people that were following and following along on the blog. I think there was just no one else. Yeah. You know, it, to me, I'm like, I wasn't big back then at all. I'm not big now either. But I, but back then, there weren't many other people to compete with. So if you followed my blog and one other person, like, it seems like I was dominating when really mm-hmm. there was no competition. But then I started realizing, like, it, it was like a year or two. I'm like, oh my gosh, there, there are 1,400 photographers just in Richmond alone mm-hmm. that just sprung up overnight. Oh, that yeah. That was crazy. That was a, and that's when I realized. I need to start teaching these people and being very intentional about it. Like there's something in this for me and for them. And I got to figure that out. So that's when, anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself, but that's when I pivoted. No, that was my next question. So, well, the, the other thing too, that I feel like, I don't know if you branded it as this until a few years down the line, but you kind of shifted from the way you spoke about it from being like a service to an experience. Mm -hmm. And I think that's also a really interesting hallmark of your businesses. Like you you know, I think it is uncomfortable for everybody, anybody, especially when you start to take on more of a price over volume strategy. Mm-hmm. At first, you're just shooting anything you, yes, and, and anything. you get your hands on. Yes. Then it gets to a point where when the demand's high, you can charge more. And it's a yes. weird thing for people because you're you and you don't want to feel like, you know, yeah. I struggle with this all the time with like yes. consulting and freelance work. I'm like, I'm really sorry. But like, <laughs> I don't have a lot of time. It's and just me. Yeah, it's just me. And but I remember seeing that because being in demand is a reason to raise your prices that, but that's not adding value to the person you're talking to. You have to communicate your value in a way that justifies it beyond just like my time's valuable. Yes. And I think the experience piece was, I don't know. It's something that really stuck out to me that other people weren't doing that I think Mm -hmm. was really smart on your behalf. And I know you won't, you know, give yourself credit, but that I think was all you. (laughs) Well, I think that there was, um, I talk about this when I speak on creating like a tribe and a community. I, knew something was happening and I knew something about what I was doing was working. And I guess to my credit, there, there was this natural tendency. Um, I, I never strategically knew that I wanted to go this route. It was just naturally happening. Mm-hmm. I think personality wise, I think the way that we made friends and Michael helped a lot with that. I mean, we're both people, people. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot of things that just kind of fell in line and made this whole like, experience thing happen. And then I started realizing that it was happening and I started fine tuning it. So I read the book tribes by Seth Godin mm-hmm. and actually Michael read it to me. I, I'm a horrible reader. <laughs> he read we, were, yes, we were on a, a trip to, I think we we're at like sandals in the Bahamas and he like started reading me like chapters. He's like, this is what's happening to your business. Like, this is mm. why you're thriving. I'm like, give me that book. I like, took yeah. it and I read it and I realized I am building a tribe and I need to be more strategic. And so then once I started going kind of off the principles of that book, that's where the idea came of, you know, people need to be your customers or your tribe members 
need to be connected to the leader, to each other, and to a shared idea. So uh, they yeah. were connected to me through the blog. That mm-hmm. was easy. They were not connected to each other yet. And I don't I didn't know what the shared idea was going to be. Mm-hmm. So they connected to each other through I put them in a Facebook group. And that was huge. No one had ever done that before. Like putting all your clients in a Facebook group. People are like terrified to do that. Like aren't people just going to bash you? I'm like, no. KJ Brides would never, never bash no. me. I mean, <laughs> but we also take really good care of them and they don't have anything negative, hopefully, to say. No. So um, so that and then we started doing in person events. So Every year we would drop two to three grand and take any bride who was available to Red Door Spa, which is the nicest spa in central Virginia. Mm-hmm. And they'd get like a $200 massage just because we love them. Right. And that is unheard of. Mm-hmm. Why would you spend that much money? And like, well, it's the tax write-off. And yes. <laughs> um, I realized these brides were coming to the spa in this little like gathering room, which you're supposed to be quiet at a spa. Mm-hmm. And they were so loud because they were all the same type of woman. Right, <laughs> they're all the same person. They, yeah. They're like they're wired the same way. They like the same things because we were attracting mm-hmm. that same type of person. So they were like bringing their wedding albums to show to one another. Oh, that's they're like sweet. screaming like, "Oh my gosh, you had the gray and gold wedding! I love that <laughs> wedding!" And the spa people, the staff, would come over and say, "You have got to be quiet. People are here to relax." So we would get in trouble because they were so loud. But I'm like, right. "These girls don't even need a massage. They just want to be around each other." Oh yeah. So so you thought of- the value was in the giving them like a nice treatment, but really they yeah. wanted the community. They wanted the community. They wanted to be, they would say things like, I mean, you don't have to do the spa. Maybe we do this next year. We just like go, go get lunch together. I'm like, interesting. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you're like, uh, that would save me, save me a lot of money <laughs> if I didn't have to pay for your massage. But um, yeah, I just started realizing that this was the process of building a tribe. And um, that was kind of like the organization of it. But like you said, the experience I was already doing, like I treated people a certain way. I gifted and like educated brides a certain way. Um, but then unifying them that it was like the missing piece of the puzzle. And Mm. I started, I started doing that. And that is when it just took off. It's so smart because yeah, you really, people want to feel like a part of something. And Mm -hmm. I think what's interesting about a wedding is it comes and it goes and it's a bit sad. Yeah. It is. And I think people have their one day with you and they're like, oh, I wish we could be friends yeah, like for longer. And yeah. it's kind of a weird feeling that I think it's nice to feel like you're a part of something before, during and after. I mean, you had last night at your house from your brides, their spouses, their kids from 11 years yes. of doing this at yes. your home. Yes. Which is truly unheard of. And I as know. I'm saying it to you, you're like, <laughs> yeah. like yeah, wow, that is kind yeah. of a... <laughs> That's kind of crazy. <laughs> I'm sure my neighbors, I passed one of them this morning and I literally, they probably have no idea what we do. They're probably scared of us by the amount of cars that we always have around our house. My mom was, we were, we were talking about that on the way up. Cause I actually, I'm funny about my neighbors. Like yeah. I don't want them finding me on Instagram. I don't want them listening to my yes. podcast, Yes, but here I assume like, there's no way if you're like setting up a makeshift wedding and have 12 photographers shooting it, yes. <laughs> they, yeah. they probably figured it out. They right? probably figured it out. <laughs> yes. We, so we actually bought the 15 acres next to us oh, you literally did? just to have a buffer. Yeah, because we're like we are doing, we do too much at this house to not have that buffer. So we it went on the market and we're like, okay, what's our only chance? Once someone snatches that up, we'll never get it. No. So we snatched it up. It's not really buildable land, so no one really wanted it, but mm-hmm. we still snatched it up. And we, yeah, we do shoots there. We do parking there for big events. But last night was the biggest event we've ever done. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, mean it was the size of a wedding. Yes, it was. I mean, we had 150 RSVPs. 
think 125 came. But to us, like once we saw everyone here, it was just like the sweetest thing for me. And I know not even Michael can really fully understand what it's like for me to look out and see. It it was like a decade of work that I poured myself into. Mm -hmm. Like the legacy of that was in my backyard. And Mm -hmm. that was, I mean, I could cry just talking about it, but it was really, really awesome for me. Oh, I bet. There were people there that got married in 2009 and people that got married three months ago. So it was really, really cool. That's such an important moment for you, full circle. And I think that speaks to like the importance of uh, wedding photographers making that connection because it is such an important day of your life and you are so emotionally attached to so many components of it. And so even though you don't hang out with these people all the time, you'll forever be close in a way. Yeah. And there's just like a really cool level of like comfort among the people there. And yeah, I I don't know. I, I couldn't have pulled it off, pulled it off. You, you, I mean, truly it was so much fun. And like, People just like we're hopping in the pool, like having a great time. Lots I met the kids. nicest people. It's just like not every day I go to a function that's not somebody else's wedding and just get to meet other people. People, Yeah, <laughs> it's very rare. And I worried about that. About an hour before everyone got there, it was 100 degrees outside. Mm-hmm. I was running around like a crazy person. I hadn't showered. I was dripping in sweat. And I just kept thinking, what the heck am I doing? What, what are people going to talk about? They don't know anyone else except me. And I'm only one person. This is going to be, this is going to be a fail. It's going to fail hard. Um, But as people started showing up one by one, I realized like these people that book us, they're like us. They're similar to us. They like people. Mm -hmm. This isn't, we're not forcing them to come. Like it's going to be fun. So, and it was, it was fun. As soon as I started seeing familiar faces, I'm like, oh, this is, I was so excited when you showed up and like, I'm like, this is so great. Like last time I hugged you was in Italy on the coastline of like the most gorgeous place on the planet. So I was just honored. I'm so honored that you came. Oh my gosh. Are you kidding? Well, Greg wanted to come so badly and he texted me this morning. He was like, when is the KJ grooms function? Yeah, I, I was like, I don't think they've ever had one. Sorry. <laughs> they haven't. And, and you know, when we did the spa day, we actually had some pushback. They're like, oh, we matter too. Like we, I'm like, you're right. You do matter. And so to be a fly on a wall on the wall at a KJ grooms. Function. <laughs> yeah. Cause men are well, just different, right? They are. <laughs> but you guys also have you do, you had that here last night, but that was the first of its kind. You do workshops here, mm-hmm. which kind of leads me to the the place where you, you pivoted in terms of, I think every photographer gets to a place, any creative whose business is relying on their skill set hits a ceiling where you have bandwidth and time constraints that prevent you from growth. You can yeah. raise your price, you can raise your volume, but even that, right. It's dictated by different things, right? You have to scale. Yeah. Not everybody needs to. Right. But I think for some people, depending on what, how you want to live going forward, Mm -hmm. it's important to figure out a way to pivot your business. And for you, when you said when the kind of it exploded in in Richmond, specifically with the photographers, you were like, I have some value to add here. Yes. Yeah. And you realized that you, you really enjoyed the education piece. Mm -hmm. So how did, did you get into that by first doing workshops? Workshops were first, but honestly, I think, um, being open about my life, about my journey, about um, even just mentioning things like I'm trying to learn to get better at this or like I'm trying to master this part of ring shots. I just was more open about it, I think, than other people. So people started feeling comfortable emailing and saying, mm. can you help me with this? Um, and I think that's a huge part. A lot of people see like that we have over 10,000 students online and they're like, well, I'm ready to launch my course. I'm like, yeah, but you can do that. And it might be successful. but I gave away free education on my blog 
for eight years before mm-hmm. I ever launched an online course. That's why they're thriving because right. I gave and gave and gave for free for so long. Um, I did my first workshop. This is kind of embarrassing because it was a little too early, but it kind of speaks to like, you know, you just got to believe in yourself and have confidence. Right. I, I was two years into my business and people started asking me questions. So I'm like, well, naturally I'm going to host a workshop and act like I know what I'm doing. So $50 a person, super cheap. One of my college roommates, younger sister in high school needed senior portraits. So she came and she was the model. And I just rented a room on our college campus and people met me there and I just taught whatever I knew. And that was the first one. And then got married and I started to host more regular workshops, then built a house, started doing them there, got in trouble with HOA. We literally decided. Oh, really? Yes. Is that why you sold that house? Yes. I think everyone on the internet was like, why are they selling that house? Because it it was, was we were there for like the, you know, decorating of it and building of it. And And then it was just gone. And I couldn't really publicly say, of course, our neighbors hate us because they all followed us. They don't hate us. Right. (laughs) They don't hate us. But it was a problem. It was a problem. And it this was our fault. We built a house in a neighborhood that was for people that were 55 and older. Oh, like that has like lawn care and stuff? Yes. Well, they they marketed it on their sign. They said, this is a community for people who don't have kids, who, you know, don't like to do yard work and who want to be free to travel. I'm like, check, check, check. (laughs) We're in our early 20s. That's us. Um, And it was great, except for you can't have like a U-Haul van dropping off vintage furniture and a bride and groom in your front yard when you have a house 30 feet next to you, that just wasn't right. working. Um, but so back to the, what you asked workshop started kind of the trajectory towards education. And now education is 98% of our income, which is crazy. Isn't, so when you started doing that, was it just because you liked it and wanted to help or did or at the time were you conscious of like, Oh, this is where I can actually be making passive income. So I liked it first. And I think that's honestly the key. Yeah. You have to like it first. Mm-hmm. And I've seen people who don't like it and they try to do it and people can read right through them. They can tell that you don't like it. You're just yes. trying to make a book. I started doing it and helping people for free. That's why I started the blog post. I liked, you know, getting all these questions in my inbox, being like, oh, I'm going to make a little blog post about this. Mm-hmm. People loved it. They shared it. So yeah, I... I enjoyed it first. And then I took my love for it and started making money off of it. And that just makes everything better when you right. can make money off of something of you love. Um, and I think that's why our courses have done so well is because teaching is not this like thing. I feel like, oh, I just got to get through it so I can sell it. I, I mm. really enjoy yeah. hearing success stories um, and, and knowing that I'm helping someone. So right. I do love it. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I, I mean, everyone in... I feel like we're in an interesting era where people do, they start their own business in any capacity or industry. They're like, Oh, this is a lot of work. I'm going to teach what I do, but then haven't been doing it that long and it doesn't land. Yeah. And it is tricky. And I think that's why I said you're in in your intro, you know, in a highly competitive, competitive business, like you actively shared your secrets. Like you, you, there are trade secrets that people hoard in fear of other people, you know, passing them. Yeah. But I just think the baseline, if you don't have that fear, it's yeah. not going to happen to you. Yeah. You, can't, you can't overthink it. Yes. And the tribe mentality. Like, yeah. I just knew uh, the KJ bride, that became a thing. Like people wanted to be a KJ bride. And I'm like, that's nothing to do with my secrets. That's me. Like they, they right. want to work with me. So I can share. And it just worked out perfectly because I'm like, I can share my secrets, which no one's doing right? Um, at the time. So people are going to love me for that if you're a photographer. 
But then if you're a bride, I just don't have any fear of being taken over or, I mean, sure, there's, right. uh, there was a wave, this is interesting, there was a wave of, I mean, it was 2013 to 14, um, people I coached, people whose weddings I shot, this huge chunk of women, whether they were KJ brides or just coaching clients of mine when I did one-on-one coaching, they just, they grew so fast. Mm-hmm. I mean, skyrocketed. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden they're hosting their own workshops and their mm-hmm. own. So that that season was the first time where I'm like, wait, am I messing myself up? I'm like, yeah, these people are learning from me. I don't take all the credit. They're doing it in, in their own way, but they're they're thriving. Now they're becoming educators. Is that a threat to me? Mm-hmm. But I just had to look at my past and be like, I've never worried about that. Mm-hmm. And, and I've never struggled with that. So I'm just going to trust that like I can be an educator and maintain my status as an, as an educator, even though I'm producing more educators. Right. And I've. I have. I actually was growing the least amount when I was freaking out about that. Interesting. When I stopped freaking out about it, I had ideas like KG All Access, which no one's done before. And that's a million dollar idea. So I'm right. like, I need to stop. <laughs> okay, I've learned my lesson. I need to stop worrying and stay in my lane because that's when the good stuff, you know, that's where it right. comes from. You have no clarity. Yeah. When you, that's, it's just a lot of clutter in your head when you're worried about competition when you're worried anytime you're worried about things you can't control yeah it's black it's taking real estate from a place that could be developing and i think that well that's interesting you say that because i kind of to me as a person who just like watched on pinterest and in blogs and stuff i just feel like your aesthetic a lot of people adopted Mm -hmm. and i do feel like it was at the time other people were very high contrast, a lot of black and whites, a lot of like yes. wedding photography wasn't bright area ethereal. Right. And, you know, Jasmine Starr probably did a lot of that too. Right. But like, were you, at any point, were you kind of annoyed that people were uh, taking on this vibe? I wasn't annoyed. I, the thing that has always annoyed me the most is hearing from other people. Like I've coined certain phrases. I didn't create posing obviously. Right. But I did kind of create the KJ posing evolution where there are foundational poses and everything stems from those four things. Mm-hmm. And there's a process to make sure you just never run out of ideas. Right. When you hear that a photographer that came to one of your workshops is now hosting her own workshop and is teaching, you know, the Sarah B, whatever four core poses. Right. You're like, Oh gosh. Like seriously. Yeah. yeah. Or like so-and-so's five core poses. I'm like, Oh, you added one. <laughs> Great. You know, I think that it, but I also know that's right. going to hurt them. The only reason I'm finding out about this is because other people know. Right. And they're like, Caitlin, this girl's stealing your stuff. And we don't do anything about it. We can't. What are we going to do? Right. Like erase all of your attendees' minds. Like tell them to forget that you said that. Right. I can't go back in time. So we don't worry about that. Mm-hmm. But I, and I didn't worry about the style thing. Um, it's funny. I'm human, just like anyone else. So when the style, I don't know if you've noticed the style the last two or three years has shifted to more muted tones. There's a mm-hmm. lot of a lot like, less color. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like no, no greens, no yellows, like just really muted. And I started worrying, like, I think I'm too bright. I, I'd, I still like color. Maybe I shouldn't like color. Maybe the high end look is getting rid of color and I need to, I need to change. And I edited one wedding where I adjusted some things thinking I needed to change my style. And I got so much negative feedback from that. Really? Like, mm-hmm. People saying things like, this doesn't look like you. What are you doing? Seriously, that's why are you changing? Yeah, and I um and I learned from that. I'm like, people love people are so attached to what I've grown and developed style wise that they are almost more in tune with it than I am. And 
You're too used to it. It's your normal. Yes. Mm -hmm. So me changing and getting worried that I'm not like doing what everyone else is doing, you know, it's almost like my own tribe is going to hold me accountable to that. Mm. Not just the bride tribe, but like just follower, people that love us and love our our business. Um, Another example of that, we paid $6,000. Maybe I shouldn't have said that, but we paid a lot of money. (laughs) The detail helps people. context, yeah. Um, To help someone, um, multiple people build out this like sales process. Mm -hmm. I was about to have a baby and I'm like, I just don't need someone else to just write content. I need another person to help build a site. I need, I'm not going to have my hand in selling a course. Kind of like to build the funnel out. Yes. Yeah. Um, they did a great job. It was really, really great. And I felt awful when I had to tell them I can't use any of it because people literally read something and were like, these aren't Caitlin's words. She didn't write this. No way. We didn't sell stuff. It was the worst converting webinar we'd ever done. And that's because people know my voice like to a T and they didn't feel comfortable buying from me because wow. it wasn't me. That's it's not crazy. And it was copy. It was, it was written. copy. Yes. And, and from one of the best copywriters in the industry, the, the best, in my opinion, that's such a lesson in terms of what you can and can't outsource and delegate. And most people can, but I have just. I can't, I can't do it. People are too picky. That's I'm, I'm amazed that people gave you that feedback. I mean, thank God they did. I'm sure that was not easy to hear, especially when you put money up to do something. (laughs) And I can't go back to her and be like, Hey, can I get a refund? My people are too picky. So another thing that was bringing up to you last night that I remember from your blog is like, you hired a web developer because brides were loving different images from different weddings yes. and wanted them in one place. And you yes. like, Caitlin kind of invented Pinterest yes. before. It I remembered what it was. It was called the design book. Yes. Yes. Maybe you said that last night. I didn't even remember it. The, the KJ design book. And you could log into my blog, mm-hmm. have an account and save pictures into different categories. And I just thought this is genius. And like it boards, was, basically. but it was a board. Yeah. Um, but basically someone else much smarter had made it like on this like grand scale and it's called Pinterest. And now my design book is no more. It's just gone, but it's fine. You know, but that, but that's the sort of mentality of like, there's, is a lot of risk you take when you're trying to constantly innovate because you can't worry about competition. The only thing you can do is keep trying to innovate and keep trying to move forward. And a lot of things you'll miss, Yes. but in hopping on KJL access, Mm -hmm. which I'll have you explain, that's something that like, could have gotten out from under you, you know, like you could have just put it off. And, and now it sounds like that is such a big part of your business. It is. So can you explain what it is? So basically I had this idea in this office, actually, I was, I was up at like 2am. I think I was in between, um, Evie and James, maybe like, I can't remember. I was like pregnant with Mm -hmm. someone. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And and I remember thinking like, I've got to figure out something different. Like I I'm all about selling large scale courses. That's great. But I think there's something else. And I started thinking about my gifts and what makes me unique. And what makes me unique is that I'm charging $10,000 a wedding, but I still shoot weddings that are super budget friendly weddings. Mm-hmm. Like you show up and there's no flowers because they spent all their money on me. Mm. But I also shoot weddings that are like $300,000 weddings in DC. So I have this like huge array of like styles and I've got to make them all look equally high end and the same, same style. Yeah. And I used to sometimes get frustrated that I don't have this consistent, like I should be shooting all the top weddings, right? I'm, I'm the most expensive person in Richmond. Um, but then I started realizing maybe the thing that makes me different thing I'm frustrated about is actually that is like 
my secret sauce. And KG All Access is the idea of, I'm like, I'm going to film me shooting everything that I shoot. And I'm going to allow people to join a membership site where they can watch me shoot behind the scenes and learn from me. And so people are shooting high-end weddings. Like we just did a huge high-end wedding back in May. They were actually at the cookout last night. Gorgeous. It was at the Hey Adams Hotel right next to the White House. Florals everywhere. Just There were just hydrangeas and peonies falling from the ceiling, basically. It was so pretty. Mm-hmm. Um, shot that, but then shot Backyard Wedding, Michael's cousin's wedding. That was super beautiful, but very, very chill and low budget. They didn't, they just didn't care about the fluff. Right. So I, I'm shooting all these different things and these thousands of photographers are watching me make everything look like a KJ wedding. And I'm like, and the other thing was, I don't feel uncomfortable having someone film me behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of educators that would just be really nerve wracking to them. Mm -hmm. And they annoying, just, like a little annoying. in the way. Yeah. Yeah. They, they would not love it. And there's sometimes I don't love it because I've been pregnant for half of these two years <laughs> being filmed from the backside constantly when you're pregnant, working and bending down a square. That's just not flattering. But part of like that, people love seeing that. Oh, like yeah. I'm just normal and relatable and things go wrong. Things are not always perfect. Sometimes I make really great decisions and people are like, oh my gosh, that was brilliant. And then some people watch me like trip over my bag and fall on my butt in front of all the groomsmen. And <laughs> we don't edit that out because, um, because that's just what happens. So anyway, it's a membership site mm-hmm. for photographers of varying degrees of, um, you know, it doesn't matter if you started yesterday or have been in business 10 years and you need a fresh perspective. People seem to like it no matter what. So yeah, best decision probably I've ever made in business. Was KGL Access. How much is it a month? $29. And you get to s- all the weddings that you film. It's basically like a docu-series, but that's edited to yeah. be educational. Like yes. they're following you. You're mic'd. Yes. And you're watching people get their wedding shot from behind the scenes. It's, yes. When you released that, I was like, this is brilliant. Yeah. Because to me, having been one of your brides, your intellectual property is not necessarily the way the photos come out. It's right. how you make the people feel and the way that they're posing, the, their energy, the way they're acting, that all those things behind the scenes make the photos great. Yes. And then you can edit them. But like, yes, I just remember, I, I just, I am not comfortable taking photos and um, I've Which been in so many weddings. You're so photogenic. <laughs> That's very nice. But I, 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 I get very nervous, mm-hmm. like, especially when um, I feel like I don't connect to the person taking yes. the photo. Yes. And I feel like being a bridesmaid so many times, it's just like wrangling like, you know, cattle and just like play for that, like silly picture. You know what I mean? Like stick your leg up. It's just, it's just so, right. And I'm like, what are we doing here? But, um, you know, in being one of your brides, the way you talk to people and cheerlead them and tell, you tell people exactly where to put their hand to where to look. You're like, look at this leaf, you know, Greg, look at her earlobe, right? Hand in pocket. Da, da, da. And I think what was interesting for me is what's so important about posing is grooms. Women are more used to taking pictures than yes. men, not to yes. typecast, but we, we take or whatever. Um, you figured out a way for a, a man who's a little camera shy to not feel incredibly awkward. Right. Right. In the photos that you really don't want to be awkward. Yes. No, for, not, not like the forward facing, like kindergarten smile. Like. Yes. Right. For your wedding. That'd be so awful. It would be so awful. And I couldn't believe how comfortable Greg was around you guys. And like, I just, 
those are the things that I would feel I would not know how to do if I was trying to get started in the industry that would be invaluable just to see mm-hmm. how you interact. Yes. Like maybe there's a difficult mother of the bride. Yes. Maybe the bride hates her hair. Maybe like there's a rogue cousin. There's right. a, you know, a situation <laughs> yes. with the sunlight, with the whatever. Yeah. We were in the harshest light. Yes. I of mean, the it day. was like 2 p.m. Yeah. Um, on a, you know, in a coastal environment. And like you would never know. Right. It really most people comment on um, like we do settings you can see the, the photo straight out of camera and then you you can watch me edit it. There's all these parts of KGL access that are valuable, but what people love the most, they say just what you said was watching me interact with people. And we have a posing course. Like we we've shown people this in a very formal way and we've taught all the systems, but those were like people coming to film a course. It was not a real wedding day. Mm -hmm. And there is something really valuable of watching it in real time and it's not posed and there's nothing that's like produced about it. It's just how it happened. Right. And that there's a lot of vulnerability on my part because sometimes I think, I don't want people to see that I did that. That was a mistake. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, no, that's what they're paying for. 100%. And it's hilarious. Like something will go really wrong. Like a wedding day will be really hard, really stressful, crazy people, crazy, you know, and We'll get in the car, Michael and my sister and I, and we'll be like, oh, that was hard, but it was great for KGL access. <laughs> so That's great. such a great silver lining. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's like any reality show, more, the more drama, yes. the better. <laughs> we call them episodes because people literally say that like, it's like their Netflix account. Like they just love watching their new episode every month. And I know it's so that- funny. I mean, but, honestly, like I would subscribe just to, oh my gosh, you should, my own I should, I should sign you up just so you can have something to like go in the background. You and tugboat. I wish mine was filmed for that. Cause I would have oh loved my, the footage. Oh, I know you would have. We would have loved it. They would have like the, that the fun. photographers would have loved that. So yeah, it's, it's one of our favorite things that we're doing right now. I hope we have several years left in us, but we'll just have to see what happens. I think that inevitably things change like the places people want to get married change the style they want changes the like there's a lot of things that change period but also people are so fundamentally different mm-hmm. there's going to never be a shortage of unique situations you find yourself in yes oh never i mean maybe if i shot in the same place for engagement sessions over and over and over again in richmond it'd be like oh, okay caitlin we've mm-hmm. seen this but wedding days they they always have a unique aspect somehow so what's an example of like something you would do that you you're like, I messed up. Oh, it's a good, I, I will pick a bad lighting spot. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll keep them there a little too long. And then I go to a next spot and everyone can just tell like, that was the better spot. You wasted half an hour here and mm-hmm. you only had five minutes here where it was perfect. And you just, and I teach people to do that, to, to trust, not to do what I did wrong, but to find the best light and stay there as long as possible. And so I think the biggest thing is, I will, I teach so many things and then sometimes I forget to do them myself and mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, people are going to tell me like, well, what about you? You told us to do this, this and this, but you didn't do that. And I'm like, right. I forgot. I right. messed up. You know, that's the whole point. Yeah. Yeah. Even at ours, um, there's these photos and I'm, I'm pretty, uh, bright, I'm primary color averse. Like I don't right. I, really bright colors, bold colors aren't very me. And I remember we were uh, in front of this like bright orange wall yes. and my wedding planner was like, I don't know. People don't really take pictures there. And you're like, let's just try it. And we did a few. And those are still my favorite photos. I do love them. I love I, those. I love them because I knew looking at like the landscape of like what I had to work with. If you were going to have anything bright, like why not? The light was pretty. And that's a very 
Italian wall. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Right. They're known for colorful hillsides, especially like Como, like just colorful, colorful buildings and walls. And I'm like, this is my only wall. So if I'm going to have color, let's just try it here. And I do love those. And I don't, I don't think I'd put one of those on a life-size canvas in my mm-hmm. office. I'd use one of your boat ones. <laughs> yeah. I love the boat ones. <laughs> but I do think like on KJL Access, that would have been a risk. And I would have been right. like, okay, I'm going to try this. And I, if it's bad, I'm not going to cut it out. I'm just going to let them see that I made a bad choice. Well, you know? the orange one's the one brides picked. Oh, yeah. Remember, uh, the, like the brides.com article, that was their yes. header. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, my gosh, that's and true. And they, they had all of the... All of Images. them, all the boat, all the things. See, isn't that so it interesting? It was more editorial than we thought. It was editorial, exactly. Yes. And that's, it's just, and I think that's an important takeaway for people is like, um, the, the passing moments can be just as monumental as like the big shoots in the one location. Oh, and yeah. what matters is that the couple's having fun. Yes, yes. And they're comfortable because we've really had fun. Yeah. I was kind of dreading taking pictures because I knew yes. it was going to be long and hot. And like, I've just been in a lot of weddings and we really had the best time. We were like laughing half the time. I know. It was it really was, enjoyable. And it, I I do think the other interesting thing, that that shot of you walking kind of on the ledge, looks like you're about to fall <laughs> off a know. cliff. Um, and we were literally just walking somewhere. I remember saying like, can you just like look over your shoulder, let your eyes fall. Um, and it's- Oh, that's my favorite picture. It's one of my favorite too. And it was in legit harsh light, photographer's worst nightmare. But you were on white stone, so it reflected enough to still have an exposed background to see the mountains and the yeah. water. And we get so many questions about that. And that's why we that's why we <laughs> use you as the face of the lighting and locations course. Well, it's my favorite because like I am pretty um high strung and anxious. And all of my ads, the w- big words are always panic and stress. Yes. <laughs> Like, Are you stressed in harsh life? <laughs> I know. It's funny. We look at other examples and um and I'm like, but that's just it was just such a good example of people do normally freak out when it's too bright. Yeah. I'm like, but let me show you, it can work. Right. And it can be epic and you can do great stuff. You just need to not be afraid and know what to do. So so thank you. Oh my for giving gosh. me marketing material. I I love seeing myself in the wild. In, <laughs> in the wild, it's so entertaining. <laughs> I love it. Um, the other thing I wanted to ask you about, if you, if you don't mind me asking, sure. I remember reading your blog about this because I I currently feel this way. Mm-hmm. You own your own business. Your yeah. life is crazy. Yeah. There's already not enough hours in the day. You get to a point in your life where like I should probably like I want I want children. Yeah. But my business is like my makeshift child. Yes. And the thought of finding more time or yeah. figuring out how to make it run and it gives me so much anxiety. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, I don't know, I put it off, I whatever. And I remember you saying like you felt that way and you're such a sweet mom and like you, you oh. your kids are so important to you and like I I feel like you have you as a mom makes so much sense, but I do remember oh, so a time when you were like very un- unsure about it. Oh my gosh. Yes. I actually did a podcast recently with Nancy Ray all about just this problem. Like that I was very, I was all business, mm-hmm. no domestic housewife, mom. There's not an ounce of that in me. And I knew Michael always wanted to be a dad. I also don't have any love for other people's babies at all. Um, I, that sounds yeah. awful. No, it I understand. sounds awful. Even just to say that coming out of my mouth, it just don't like oh, the way I've it definitely sounds. said that on the record on this podcast. Okay. <laughs> don't worry. Um, the, to the point where my sister right now has the cutest six-month-old on the planet. Harper Grace is just like she's, you, you look across the room and just see her like she's staring adorable. at you, smiling. Um, <laughs> but even as cute as she is, I have to, t- Emmy has to tell me to hold her. I don't just naturally pick her up. And I'm like, what is wrong with me as a woman? I don't walk in a room 
and want to hold the cutest baby. Mm-hmm. I'll think they're cute. I love my children though. Like I love them. Mm-hmm. And I and I want to hold them. I want to be with them. Like if Graham decided today that he was done nursing, I would be heartbroken. And if you had told me that mm. as a business owner in 2016, I would laugh in your face. I'd be like, right. I don't even I'm know like if in I'm gonna... pain with you talking about it. Even like yeah. when people mentioned, I'm like, I don't Bro, get it. I don't want that. <laughs> and I was the same exact way. And I guess I think, I don't think I ever would have felt ready. I think we decided to start trying to have kids because of my age. Like I was 28 when I got pregnant with Evie and I, I didn't want to be in my mid thirties and starting a family. I just, I age wise, I just decided that was, yeah, it was the right time. And, and then I also think, you know, we, it was kind of like a big jump of a leap of faith for me. That's what I felt like. Like Mm -hmm. I, I hope that something in my heart will change when Mm -hmm. and if I get to have a child. And honestly, um, it didn't change when I got pregnant. Like some people were like, oh, they get pregnant and they just feel maternal. That was not me. Mm -hmm. I felt, I got pregnant. I just felt huge. I didn't have any ounce of like instant love of being a mom. Mm -hmm. Um, I was still a workaholic. That was a problem. I felt like God, I felt like he tried to break me of that, like preparing Mm -hmm. me to be a mom, but it it didn't quite work until I had an aggressive tumor in my hand. I don't know if you remember this. Like in your in shooting in finger. My, yeah, my right index finger, the finger that literally pushes the trigger on a Canon camera. Anyway, it makes all the money. It's like that is so weird now that I think about it? it. Yeah. One in a million, it's called a giant cell tumor. One in a million pregnant women can get it. It's like I had a little cyst, and then my pregnancy hormones just made the cyst in my knuckle just blow up. It cracked through my knuckle, broke the bone, ate away 80% of the bone, and I went to an oncologist, a hand oncologist, and he looked at my x-ray, pulled out his personal iPhone, looked at his calendar and said, I need you to come in Monday for surgery. Eight and a half months pregnant. You you were eight and a half. Can you even have surgery? Eight and I had to stay months? awake the whole time because oh you can't God. go under anesthesia no. when you're that pregnant. But he's like, if we don't do this, not to scare you, but we'll just have to amputate that whole finger. And it's not just the not finger. Not to scare you. Not but... to scare you. <laughs> He literally said, I'm like, oh, no, 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 I speak in front of people. I talk in front of people. He's like, you'd actually, he said, you'd actually be surprised how, um, you don't really notice that finger if it's gone. <laughs> like, Please. Okay. Wow. He's like trying to talk me down, like from the, the cliff. Like, it's okay if you're missing yeah. that index finger, you won't even notice it when you're waving your hands in front of people. I'm like, Oh my gosh, we're having this conversation. This is crazy. Your life's already about to change. It's just like a lot. Everything's about to change. And so what happened is that when that tumor just flared up, busted through my knuckle, like emergency, two weeks of excruciating pain, I literally couldn't type. I couldn't do anything. I could not work. I couldn't Mm. blog, couldn't edit. I couldn't even type on my phone. I had to like tap with my other hand slowly to text someone. And I had a group of friends who stepped up and did blog posts for me because they know how important it was for mm-hmm. me to have content, which was super sweet and had to relinquish like a lot of control with mm-hmm. that in the business. Um, and I literally, that just broke me of my workaholic tendencies and it allowed me to be okay with rest, which I was never okay with before. Um, and then Evie was born and it was almost like that prepared me to be in the right mindset of being a mom, like mm-hmm. having a tumor, the worst thing ever, which I think, it's not the, we learned later. That's right, not the worst right. thing ever. Um, it prepared me for being a mom and it really just realigned my priorities. Not saying that caring for my business was not an accurate or a, a good priority. It was like, 
But at the time, I couldn't imagine anything else being a priority because I'd never been a mom. You know, it's kind of like trying to imagine your wedding day or like having someone that you call a husband. You can't really imagine that until Mm -hmm. you're in it. Right. But that times a a hundred, that's what it's like being a new mom. And when Evie was born, it was literally it. I I know people say it's magical. Mm -hmm. It really was magical. Something changed. Yeah. And I, to this day, like I love my business and I'm super passionate and driven. And, but I love her more and I always will. And if I could go back to like freedom and traveling and like all the joy I have in business and like killing it and speaking at conferences and just being top of my game Mm -hmm. or being Evie's mom, I will always choose being Evie's Mm -hmm. mom. That's how great it is. So, and I'm saying that after having not the easiest motherhood journey, No, not it hasn't been easy at all. And I still would say it's the best season of my life. That's so sweet. And I appreciate you sharing that just maybe for selfish reasons. And I think it's helpful for people because I do think as women, you, there's a part of you that feels very weird and guilty about not having that natural inclination. Oh yeah. Like what's wrong with me? Never. Yeah. Like all these other women, my sister is so she can cook. She can like, she knows when they need new milk in the fridge and my milk's like growing things. Like I don't think like that. (laughs) I'm just not organized. And in like the domestic department. Same, yeah. I have like 15 people that help me keep this house straight. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how to do anything. Um, but I I realized like I'm exactly who Evie needs as a mom. She's very, I told you earlier, she like is proclaiming that she's a leader. She doesn't even know what that, that means. so much. But I think she's wired in similar ways to me. And I'm like, she needs me as her mom. And it's okay that I don't know, you know, how to make good pasta. Like my noodles always stick together. I right. don't know these things. She just needs me and I was destined to be her mom. And that's, I just need to focus on being a good mom and not focus on what I'm not. Um, Because in turn, if I just get really worked up and like, I'm not like my sister, I'm Mm -hmm. not like my best friend. um, I'm really like stealing a lot from Evie. That's so true. Yeah, it really is. So she's never going to be like, I wish my mom, like, no, no, you're like Aunt Emmy. Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't change my mom and I'm sure you wouldn't change yours for a second. No, no. She, my mom's exactly who she needed to be for me and Emmy and Corey. So anyway, I, I think long story short of like the whole business versus mom thing. I hope that people look at me and they can see like, you can do both. It's not like it used to be. It's not, I'll be honest. It's not like but I don't want it to be what it used to be. I, I never had time. Michael and I are healthier in our marriage because I became a mom, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like I was obsessed with my business to the point where I didn't want to go on a vacation really because. Oh, I hate vacations. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's, it's too much. It's too hard to leave. And I know. Isn't that hard? And mm-hmm. not, not, not to scare you. But Michael and I, I realize now like that Greg's probably, you know, he's probably handling it a lot better. But. Michael and I really had a lot of walls we built up. Like it still hurts him that there was a season where I wouldn't leave to just be with him because of KJP. And I'm sure there's some resentment there. But now that we're in this season, I'm looking back and realizing like, well, thank thank goodness we didn't have any major problems. Mm -hmm. We just had some like resentment, like a little bit here and there, but it wasn't it was cut short before it became a big problem, if that makes sense. Uh, it does make sense. And you're having my wheels turning because I'm like, I do think that's a problem. I You have your list in your head of the things you have yes. to do and they're non-negotiable and anything that gets in your way is just an irritation. Yes. 
And sometimes and it can be your husband. husband. <laughs> yes. Oftentimes. Yes. And I try to be mindful of it, but also I'm like, I think since I feel like as a woman, I'm on a timeline, I'm like, I yeah. have to be a certain thing or a certain way or a certain level of success before I even ever consider the family thing. Yes. Because in my head, it's when everything stops. But what you're saying right. is that that's not the case. And I think that's what people need to hear. Yes. That, and you know what's crazy is I did have a few months after Evie was born where I did not know who I was as a business owner. And I was torn and I was crying a lot. And I was, I, I remember I had a um, website refresh. My friend Jen mm-hmm. Olmstead, who she's incredible. She came down to my house, um, did a website redo. And I remember when she like hit publish, I like bawled. I'm like, I'm still a business owner. I'm still here. I've still got it. Totally. And I didn't realize I was so worked up about mm. it, but I was. But the cool thing, I have grown more being a mom. Now, granted, we had a tragic story mm-hmm. last year. We we never wanted to grow from that, but it just naturally happened because people wanted to follow along. But that aside, before that happened even, I didn't realize it, but people love our family. And I honestly said, I am not going to be the young photographer, newlywed, shooting all these fun, cool weddings. I'm going to lose my identity when I become a mom. And the exact opposite. I got a new identity that people love even more. Hmm. Never expected that because I'm not mom material in my Mm -hmm. mind. So what's funny is thinking about you, I'm like, oh my gosh, think about how much people love you in tugboat. Imagine (laughs) when like, what I don't know what business will pivot to when mm-hmm. that happens for you and Greg, but I can only imagine that it will be similar to us to where you think it's the end, but it's really just the start of like some crazy new chapter and people are just going to love it. I feel like you're going to give a really fresh, honest perspective on motherhood that a lot of people crave, but don't even know that they need it. I don't know. Just me. That's I'm just so forecasting sweet. some no, that's things. That's what my mom keeps saying. She's like, it's more content. I'm like, dude, I don't want more content. <laughs> but I, but it really is though. In, in a weird a, way, because you're, I am my business. I yes. am my brand. My, that yes. inevitably it's going to have to be part of it. Yes. And if you're hilarious without kids, you are going to be so much more entertaining <laughs> with kids. I mean, I, um, the other thing is kids sometimes create, once they're like talking, like they create the content for you. You know, they're just right. like, they're hilarious. So, yeah. I mean, I, that's the other thing about our presence online with a family. I have no agenda sharing my family. I just share it because I love it so much. Mm-hmm. But like, I don't share a video of Evie hoping something will come from that. I just share it because I'm just like dying laughing. I'm like, the world should laugh at this too. So I think people appreciate that. Mm-hmm. And there's organic growth that happens because I'm not trying to build anything with my family, if that makes sense. It makes total sense. There's no expectation behind it. Yeah. And yeah. well, that was too what I, I, well, I asked people for questions earlier today and two things that came up a lot are one, the question everybody asks everybody, which is balance. Yes. Which, you yes. know, I feel like the answer is more often than not, like it d- doesn't really exist and you have to be no. okay with that. Yeah. It's a little different every day. At least like people ask me that and I'm like, how do I balance myself and my dog and yeah. my husband? Like, yes. I don't. He eats, he makes his own dinner. I'm just, yeah, I work till like nine o'clock and, um, but our, you know, trade off agreement, I'm like, I just need this time and yeah. I don't want to regret anything. And I just right. want to feel like I'm getting done what I need to. But for you, do you feel like that's something you even worry about or your day by day or, Oh, I, yes, I do worry about it. But I, and I, someone said, Oh my, like they DM'd me and they were like, please do a blog post about like, motherhood and getting stuff done. And I'm like, no, I don't want to do that because if I'm being honest, I have a lot of help. And mm-hmm. 
if I'm, if I'm truthfully telling people how I get stuff done, they're not going to want to hear it because I have to spend money to get, to make more money. I have to spend money on childcare yeah. in order to get more money. And I just hope I'm making more than I'm spending, which is like every childcare problem that everyone struggles mm-hmm. with. Right. But, you know, it, at the end of the day, I kind of like that we work at home and that Evie sees us work. Mm-hmm. She knows the value of work, even at two years old. She'll go in our office and be like, I need privacy. I'm working. I'm like, <laughs> okay. So um, but I think that, um, yeah, I don't think there's a really hard and fast rule on balance. Mm-hmm. Um, someone told me Nancy Ray, which I love her, the whole like mom entrepreneur, like view life differently. I just go to her for a lot of that. I just mm-hmm. really love the way she does it. But she's like, you know, kids don't need you to like have a mommy every day once a week. That's a huge commitment to lose a whole day. She's like, kids don't need that. Time is so different to them. It's perceived so differently from them. Yeah. So if you take Evie and you go in a living room and you leave your phone in your office and you tell her, you look in the eye and you say, Evie, this is your 10 minutes, whatever you want to do. Do you want to color Paw Patrol or do you want to watch Paw Patrol? Do you want to go on a walk? Do you just want to hang out? What do you want to do? It's just me and you. Those 10 minutes make more impact on her life than giving Evie like a full-blown Evie mommy day out. You know what I mean? Because Evie's mommy day out is you projecting like what, yeah. what you as an adult would want for quality time, but she's yes. not perceiving that way. No. That's so interesting. I never thought yes. about it that way. And I can do 10 minutes a day. Like I can yeah. do that. Um, we've been doing breakfast dates. Um, like two days ago, I took her to breakfast at Satterwhite's. Did you ever eat at Satterwhite's? I love Satterwhite's. Yes. yes. <laughs> so we go there, she gets a pancake and she makes a mess all over the table, but like, it's just me and her, nobody else. Mm-hmm. And that takes 35 minutes. Right. So- I feel like I'm learning as she gets older, what balance looks like. And I also like just decide, you know, I work Monday through Thursday. My mom comes, another person comes. Sometimes my mom can't be here for childcare and they're not always great days. Some days there are days where I'm needed more as a mom than a business owner, but I'm, I'm doing, I I think my priorities are actually more clear Mm -hmm. in business. I'm not saying yes to, it's funny. I'm not saying yes to like podcasts that don't matter mm-hmm. or doing blog posts that are just fluffy. I'm only doing the stuff that I really want to do because I don't have time to do the extra. Right. No, pick your brain yeah. emails and phone calls. I no. hate a pick your brain email. I, yeah. Let me just pick your brain. I'm like, <laughs> or they start it by saying, I know your time is so valuable. So I just have a few 15 questions. Yeah, right. I'm like, really? But, you dump the last 12 years of your experience and <laughs> just help email. me get started. Yeah. I know people are funny about that. And no, that was, I've, this was very, um, educational for me because you're so right in that this, it's kind of like the vacation. The stressful part is thinking about taking a large chunk of time to do something away. Yes. And that's the dread. And that's where like, you know, if you're carving out a day, whether it's for your husband, your daughter, or just like a your, all your guilt is, is in not having a long periods of time, right. That eats away at you. And then you're not even that, that present at sometimes when you're there. Yeah. And I think that those micro moments really add up and they're more consistent and they're less, they're, you know, not as few and far between that. I think I need to focus on a little bit more in my marriage too, because just even sitting down for 15 minutes, like how was your day? Let's watch TV. Let's eat whatever. Like those are the things that sometimes I'll put off. Cause I'm like, I want more hours later. Yes. But doing them will probably add a lot more value. Yes. And just showing Greg, like I'm showing Michael that like, I used to always sit down at the TV to watch a show with him, but with my laptop, right. I still struggle with that. 
And like to him, that's not really quality time. And his love language is quality time. Mm -hmm. So that's, it's just hard. And and I, it's really interesting. We do like um, relationship coaching with Mm -hmm. this amazing woman. We've done it for years, but she told me, she's like, you realize you like to be stressed, Caitlin. I'm like, no, I don't. I, I do not like being stressed. She's like, no, you like having the pressure of your business. You like being overwhelmed. I'm like, oh my, I got so mad at her. And then she started explaining it. She's like, you're actually a victim to your business and you enjoy being a victim Hmm. because when you're in the cycle of being a victim to all the work and it's all on me and all the stress, then you don't have to be other things. Like you're actually comfortable in the space of it being crazy all the time. And when it's crazy all the time, then you don't have to do the hard work of showing up in other areas because you've got this great excuse. Hmm. And it's, it is fascinating. Oh, I have. Yeah. Lots of, I've had lots of arguments with this sweet woman, (laughs) but she's right though. She's really right. There's, I get a lot out of the pattern of workaholism that I established years ago. Hmm. And there's a lot of things I was hiding from that I didn't, didn't even realize. I would say that I wanted to be closer to Michael. I wanted to have more time with my family. And I had every opportunity to make that happen, but I didn't because I felt more comfortable and more valuable and more safe being the workaholic that was super successful at, at business. Mm-hmm. Um, th- side note, that's one thought. Another thought is I was thinking about you and thinking about the hustle and the grind. And I, before I had kids and you're doing that right now, it's not like you're just getting started and you're just getting like momentum. Like you right. have momentum. You've written a book, like you're in the thick of it. I'm really thankful I did the thick of it and maybe not all of the thick, Mm -hmm. but I did a lot of it and then had a kid. You've already put in so much work. The hard part is when someone emails me and it's like, I have a two-year-old and a two-month-old and I'm just getting started. And I'm like, that is hard. That is really hard. Mm -hmm. So for you, I feel like you have put in so much hustle that, yeah, being a mom, it's going to change things. But you've you you've got so much equity built up it's not going to just all pass away it's just going to transition well that's the hope right it's like i a, a couple of years ago i made a conscious decision like i don't want people following my mats i don't want them following my products like whatever i want them following me yes and i noticed that i like that shift yeah that's just kind of what i care about is like whatever happens to me in life or in business people are along for the ride right and i think that i have to remember too that that won't necessarily go away if my if my life does change no. No, it won't. And I think it's, I like what you said too about the starting, because I think that's where a lot of coaches go wrong is they don't factor in nuance of people's situations and their trajectory. Right. And it's important to be inspiring. It's important to tell everyone they can do it, but unfortunately not everyone can. And the best thing you can do is to give them a realistic idea of what it takes to start to sustain and moving forward because- you don't want people losing their family's valuable money. You don't want right. people taking time that they want to be spending with their kids. And right, you right. can't tell them what to do, but you can be honest about your experience. Yes. And I think when people gloss over it, that's when, you know, you, you lose. Yeah. Yes. Oh, I totally agree with that. And you've always had such candor with that. And I'm so appreciative for you. Even it's, it's, it's awkward for me to say like, I, I, I don't like kids that much. I know. <laughs> it, it makes you seem like a horrible yeah, person. Who doesn't love cute little kids? Right. Me. I don't. And I That's have the most weird. domestic mom and sister. That, so that, sweet. That I, and I wish I had that, but like it does nothing for me to bake. It does nothing for me to make dinner. Nope. It feels like a waste of time. And But think about a new project and like launch it or get started on it. Right. Like pour yourself into it. 
That's fun to me. I feel alive. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but you know, the gift of what you have, which is so invaluable, is that you have become stronger as a brand when you focused on yourself. Mm-hmm. And not everyone can do that. And it's hard to tell people that. Like it's, and I don't, I let them figure that out on their mm-hmm. own. And when you have a brand that's wrapped around you, you really, your options are endless. Mm-hmm. It, it, doormats, there's an end to that. There's a, a level right. to that. But when it's about you, your life changes only strengthen you. They don't repel people. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you were just doormats without a personality behind it, and you just got caught up in mom life and like, I can't keep up with the work and people aren't following like they used to. And like, well, that's because they were about doormats and your passion about doormats has subsided. And so, you know, business kind of crumbles. Right. But people are all about who you are and they love you and they love following you. So they are going to love whatever new, like you said, whatever new part of your life comes into existence. They're going to be obsessed with that because you're obsessed with it. Right. I don't like to harp too much on, you know, I think that there is so much talk about like with women being business people and moms and there's so much focus on like, how do you do it all? And I right. don't, it's like you still, you don't change as a business person. I never want to over-focus on the mom aspect of it, but I think the right. reality of it, of the the role you have in your home and in your personal life, they, they ine- inevitably intersect and the conversation yes. has to go there. Yes. And I do appreciate you being honest about one thing, and that is having people that help you, having childcare. Yeah. Because I think that's the danger of Instagram is that when you don't, when people have no idea what's going on mm-hmm. behind the scenes, they're like, why are they so much better at it than me? Right. And I, and there's no, there's no shame in that whatsoever. That's how right. people get work done is somebody has to watch your kids while you work and provide for your family. Yes. It is yeah. what it is. <laughs> yeah. And, and I feel like there are some people that are desperate for someone to say this secret remedy to not having to pay for childcare or not having to have someone like, is there a secret to getting kids to like, just, be on their own and you get all your work done. I'm like, yeah, an iPad, but I don't want my kids doing that. So that's not what we do. We pay someone. Right. There's no, there's no secret sauce behind that. Like everyone is going to like have to find their own system. And for some people they can't work at the home in the home with their kids. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a basement. We lock our kids in the basement mm-hmm. with Mimi and like that's their Isn't preschool Mimi's area. daycare, right? Mimi's daycare. <laughs> and that has worked out so well. And I know not everyone has space for that. There's some people that would literally just need to go to a co-working space right. and have someone watch the kids at their house. Um, our best friends own a venue together, a wedding venue, um, and have another side business. And they literally just go to a coffee shop Monday and Tuesdays and have someone at the house for three hours. And in some ways, I've heard people say that having kids, having childcare, they get so much more done because every hour they're working. Efficiency. Efficiency. And it's something you don't even realize you need when you don't have kids and you work from home on your own. But then all of a sudden you have kids and you're like, I have two hours to get stuff done. Mm. They're sleeping. So in some ways I, I get more done now. I mean, I have, I have launched two or three large scale courses, create a million dollar idea, have grown our Instagram following by 40 to 50,000 people after I had kids. And I have had three kids in two and a half years, one, one being a tragic situation. And yet I'm doing the biggest business. Last night was one of the biggest things I've ever done in my business as far as community building. And I have a a three month old. Right. So in some ways I'm like, you'd still be on maternity leave if you're at a corporate job. Yes. I shot a wedding after I had Graham three weeks after I had Graham and I was fine. I know I'm not advocating that people don't have maternity leave. That's just the way the cookie crumbled for us. Yeah. But, um, but I am kind of saying, if you love working, 
you can still work. Yeah. Or you, you can know? not work. Yeah. So I, I guess my thought in saying all that was like the, some of the greatest things I've ever done in business have been after I've been a mom. So there's like, there shouldn't be any fear and there's not fear now. Now, now that I know I can do it. Right. I'm just confident. Like my best years of business were not pre-kid. Huh? So. Well, it's funny you mentioned the thing, even, even though it's a weird metric, it is an important metric, which are Instagram followers. Yes. I, this morning I was like, oh my, you're almost at 100K, which is a big milestone. And, and that's when you go from a micro to a macro influencer in like the, in like oh, the business that, world. Is that true? Mm-hmm. Oh, and, I had no idea. Yeah. And wow. obviously you don't use your platform to like, you know, shell fit tees, but right. um, you could. <laughs> if I wanted to. <laughs> um, but that was the other most commonly asked question was finding the boundary of what you're comfortable sharing because you, you have yeah. had a difficult several difficult Mm -hmm. seasons in your life that you have been open about. And, um, to your point about, you know, no, it's not correlated or you don't care how much you grow as a result of that. There is a human connection there. And that's, that's where, you know, social media is a weird thing and there's a lot of negatives to it, but there's a great deal of positive things about it that I think you've chosen to use it for. I think, I mean, I gotta be careful. I could talk about this for days, but I think in a nutshell, I, I think I remember finding out basically our story is we lost a baby at 31 weeks and um, due to down syndrome and complications because of downs and that I had shared like about the tumor and Evie's pregnancy. And I'd shared about Evie developing, she had hip dysplasia, which was scary um, at five months old. But then with James, it was like pregnant halfway through pregnancy, your child's not going to survive. We decided to carry him oh my gosh, he lived for three more months. I was almost at the end when we lost him. And am I going to tell the world this? I remember our best friends, um, I was calling, calling her, telling her like an update and like, we're definitely going to lose him. Like things are going downhill. I'm just sobbing. And she's like, you, Caitlin, you don't have to share this with the world. Like you don't have to. And I believed her. Like, I know I don't have to. Mm-hmm. I, the world doesn't necessarily deserve to know all of our business. Mm-hmm. But then I think about purpose and impact and I come back to like that sharing James's life is what made his life purposeful. Mm-hmm. There was um, a bride here last night and she two weeks ago gave birth to a baby without a heartbeat at 24 <gasps> weeks, two weeks That's ago. Oh She's God. still physically in pain and she oh. came to the cookout because she just wanted to talk to someone yes. who understood. Yeah. Yeah, And she found out that her baby was not going to survive at 20 weeks. And the baby lived for another month and a half, I think, maybe even 26 weeks. So she said, the moment we found out that our child, our daughter was not going to live, I heard Michael's voice from a video you posted on Instagram where he said about James, like, we're just going to love him while we have him. Yeah, And that was her mantra for a month and a half. And I think to myself, when you say like, how do you decide what to share? It's like, the world didn't need to know all of our business and I didn't have to share this hard part of our life, but knowing that our son's life helped this woman love her dying baby and grieve in a healthier way. I mean, that means that my son's life mattered and I'm definitely going to choose purpose and impact through sharing the hard stuff then. And and that's not for everyone. Like I know so many women who like, Still to this day, they find out news like that and they just hide in their house and they cannot function. And that is understandable. I completely understand why that is their reality. Mm -hmm. But for those people, they still need to hear hope. And 
I know that I was okay sharing hope and sharing our story. And there's not a lot of people that will do that. Mm -hmm. So I just, I think that the internet can be super awful. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It could be, it just can be awful and it can be superficial or it can be really fun and really entertaining and also life-changing for people. Mm -hmm. I don't believe that God allowed that awful thing to happen just because I have a big Instagram following. That would just be cruel. I don't think that's why. Right. But I think he did. I I wrote this letter or like this. um, I I wrote a lot. I wrote actually 25,000 words when I was pregnant with. It's half a book, basically. Maybe that'll be a book one day. I don't know. But I wrote so much when I was pregnant with James. And there was one section where, um, where I was writing and I was just talking about how, you know, the impact of his life and what he meant to us. Like it almost feels like it quadrupled because of the impact that I saw through sharing on the internet. And that, that means so much to us. So I don't know. Does that answer your question? That it's like a bunch of answer- rambling. No, rambling no, that completely does. And, and I appreciate you even sharing now. And I think what I've learned um, is that is more that happens more often than I even realize. And yes. people, they, they do share. not share at all. I would read through your comments from people who had experienced yeah. that and who oh, had no outlet and had no, no hope, no hope. Yeah. And you know, the everything happens for a reason narrative is, is hard when something is unimaginable. Yes. I love the positioning of his, how much his life, however short it was mattering. Yes. yes. And that's so beautiful. It is. And I, this is what I thought I was going to say a minute ago and I lost my train of thought, but the idea of like, you know, I think pain is purposeful. Um, and I wrote that I think I can imagine God saying like, this boy is special. He's not normal. Got a lot of, a lot of what the world would say are problems mm-hmm. with him and his body. And he will not be able to function outside of Caitlin, but I'm giving this boy's life to parents that will value and use his life for the good of others. Like. I, I feel like we almost had this huge responsibility that I never wanted. I, what No one would want our story. It's very interesting mm. to be someone who tens of thousands of people watch us, but yet have a story that no one would want. That's mm. very interesting. That is interesting. And up until that point, even with the tumor and like the hip dysplasia, like I still think people would look at us and say, successful business, beautiful home, sweet marriage, love story, whatever. Like I'd love to be in their shoes. And in James's situation, I just remember thinking, I am living through everyone's worst nightmare. It's, and that is, that's so crazy. I never thought I'd be that person. But then when you think about this is happening to Caitlin and Michael, because Caitlin and Michael were specifically called to be James's parents. Why were we called? I don't know. But maybe we should use his story to help other people. Maybe, maybe we do have these people watching us because we're going to be able to start having conversations with people. There were ladies at our church. 56-year-old women who did not talk to me in person, which I think that's interesting in and of itself, but would write me letters and say, I lost a baby and this was their name and I haven't told anyone until you start talking about James. And I'm like, this woman has been holding that secret for 35 years. And it's just because the world has not shown them how to talk about it. Right. So I think that that's, I don't think that's my calling overall my whole life, but it's a part of my story that I'm not going to like hide away because it just it's too heavy to hide away. It is, yeah. So, right. It's and, not an obvious answer. No, and it's not a um, you know, I, 
people are like, why would God let this happen? Y'all are good people. You're, I'm like, but that's not how the world works. Mm-mm. It's not how any of the world, pain is pain. And like, you have, you have your own pain. And people used to say like, ugh, when I was carrying him, they'd say, well, I just didn't want to tell you that we were going through this because it's not as bad as what you're dealing with. And I'm like, I started doing this talk at conferences this last year. And I'm like, I have this phrase. I'm like, valleys are valleys. You mm-hmm. know, you, you not being able to get pregnant for six months and thinking you may not be able to ki- have kids, mm-hmm. you know, that, yeah, it's not a valley of someone who struggled for three years, mm-hmm. but it's still a valley. And us losing a son is a valley and it's a deep valley. But you stressed out because you can't pay your mortgage. That's a valley. It's, mm-hmm. You can't compare people's valleys. You just need to be open and willing to share them. So you're not alone. And Instagram, Instagram, some people do it well and some people really suck at it. Right. You know, their and life I, is falling apart, but it seems great on a screen. Right. Exactly. And I like what you just said. And I, any therapist, like that's the first thing they'll tell you is pain is pain and you mm-hmm. can't trivialize pain and what inhibits processing of pain to get yes. to the other side is saying it's not that bad. Right. Or it could be worse. Right. And exactly. kind of like what you were telling me that, that, uh, when you had the tumor, the doctor being like, it's not that bad. You don't need your pointer pointer finger. Sometimes I just want somebody to look at me and be like, this is bad. Yeah, it is bad. Like yeah. this is going to be hard and this is tough. And like, there's no justification and you might not see why this happened for a very long time. And that's okay. Right. Like live in your pain, experience it. And I remember at one point you wasn't there. I don't know if it was an online publisher or a magazine that told you they thought your story was too heavy. Oh, that was, that was probably when I was at my nastiest. Like when I was, that wasn't nasty. That was important. And that stuck yes. with me. Yeah. I think that that was an important thing to call out. And they, they knew they messed up because they, I actually had a conference call with the head of their company, the CEO, and then two other people who were in charge of content. And they ended up giving me two articles, one of which they never published, which is interesting to think about now. Um, but they did create a month or maybe it was a week, a week of, um, you know, like, uh, infertility and fatal diagnosis mm-hmm. like a week um i mean it was the bump we can just say it it was the bump it the one of the greatest biggest like they have i don't know over half a million followers mm-hmm. um but they i think what was hurtful and what was hard is that they had not done research and they had heard they saw my my account i had a lot of followers i was a mom and i shared a lot about my journey and they asked me to be a contributor and i spent all this time creating this post about my journey and I even specifically said, can I share about my son that we lost? And they said, yes. But then when I shared about it, they're like, it's too scary. And I'm like, but it's mm. reality. like that." So it's a it, pregnancy-focused magazine that didn't want to spook people. Yeah. But, and, and I think they had also had some recent posts that were, um, they had to start doing like trigger alert on the top because so many people were like, this is, it was a birth story that was just traumatic. Um, which happens it, that's reality, but mm-hmm. they didn't warn people enough. And I think there was a lot of bad mm-hmm. feedback. And then they asked me to share and saw like, she gave birth to a baby that wasn't alive. Like I, we can't share that. Mm. But I'm like, but I know firsthand there are tens of thousands of women, women that are following you that are going to have a stillbirth and they don't even know it yet. And you're not representing any of them. So if you want to act like all pregnancies are perfect, that's fine but you're missing the mark. Mm. And, and I'm not gonna, I even made a commitment to like, well, here I am telling, telling you who it is, but <laughs> I made a commitment like on my account, I never shared who it was. Mm-hmm. And, um, 
And, and that's because they really did do everything I think to, that they could to make it right. They did a conference call, they apologized mm-hmm. and they ended up letting me share James's story on a blog post, not on an Instagram post because they didn't want people to not like on Instagram, you scroll and you it's see passive, it. Yeah. Yes. On a blog post, you have to click to read it and choose to read something that's hard. And I, I get that. So but that was kind of a blow. I when I got that email that was like, "We can't share it. Your story's too hard." I'm like, "I'm the girl. I have a story mm. that is too hard for other people. Can't read what horrible stuff has happened to me. Mm. That is an awful place to be. That is. Um, but at the same time, I knew that it wasn't true, and I right. knew that my story helped people, and that they were just they needed to save their butts. And that's just the reality of a corporate world when you have so many people to please. You don't want to piss people off. You need to make everyone happy. Um, they also, I think, were probably worried that I was going to bash them and like let mm-hmm. their because I I, sh- I shared something kind of passive aggressively, just talking about how horrible that mm-hmm. felt. And there was over a thousand comments of people who were like so angry for me. Mm-hmm. And that's when I got an email inviting me to a conference call. Ding, <laughs> so, ding, ding, right? yeah. Um, and but I think it's that's fine. hard as a night. You're a nice person, and you're not like just going to rock the boat to rock the boat. And I think that's an interesting thing of, of selective pushback in terms of your platform can do great things, but it, it could, if it wanted to, you know, right. Do damage. Yes. And you don't want to be that person doing that, but at sometimes it's worth it because you're completely right about representation. Right. Just as with anything else, it, it needs to be a realistic depiction of the world we live in today for whatever denominator of the thing it's about. And for right. pregnancies, the reason it doesn't seem like there's more hard ones is because people Don't aren't talk talking about it. about it. Yes, no one does. And if if your 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 target demo isn't a woman with a perfect pregnancy, it's right. a pregnant woman. Yes, yes. And, and that's what need they needed to hear. And even though I'm sure the last thing you wanted to do at that point in life is take that on. Right. Yes. That was not on my top priority. Not list. at all. That those are the converse. Those are the difficult conversations that have to happen for people to feel less alone. And that's a platform and a scale that you don't even have access to. Right. And that I remember thinking like, wow, I just, I couldn't imagine that conversation. Yeah. Uh, Them telling you like that it was a bit much and you're like, imagine like you're going through through it. it. Yes. Like it was my, you, and I'm like, I held back. If you, you think this is a bit much, this was like watered down version of what my reality really was. Right. Like if you want to know too much, I can give you all the details of stillbirth and what that's really like. Right. You want me to do an article about, I could like go on a, like I could do an article that would really rock the boat and tell you what it's like to be in a hospital room and hear babies cry down the hall and yours is dead. That will really, that'll really shake you up. Mm-hmm. Mine was just tips and like sharing, you know, like this is what happened, but like the, on the other side of, you know, the story, like we live to tell about it and we're okay. And we're, we're expecting another baby and isn't that great. And, um, but it was still too much. And I, I remember thinking to myself, like, you know, if I don't fight for this in some ways, I just feel like it's not fair to my son. I, I have a chance for any other mom who like is losing a child to a horrible complication for her story to be heard if I fight back against this mm-hmm. and I don't want to be nasty and I, I don't want to be rude and I don't want to be the person that's like, 
you're not representing. I just feel like there's a lot of people that whine, you know, a hundred percent. Yeah. But I felt like it was worth whining about this. And it was, and it, and there is a week now that represents, they do post and share stories. And so I got to share, um, one of those posts was mine. And, and now other people have a place where they can be represented on that platform and half a million people have access to it. So it was worth whining. I'll whine about it again oh if gosh, I have not to. Not whining at all. And I don't I, I don't mean to bring it up because I'm sure that, you know, especially given that it's moved past and they've adjusted, you don't want to talk about it. But at the same time, I think that there are times when you, you need to like actually, when, if, if something is just like speaking to you, sometimes speaking up is worth it. Even if you're not a person that rocks the right, boat. Right. And to your point earlier about being like, Evie doesn't love me because I'm can make a killer, you know, lasagna. Right. She loves you because you're you. And yes. that's also why you're James's mom too. Like yes. you're you because mm-hmm. you're going to pursue things that matter to you and you're yes. not going to back down on them. And right the only type of person that would ever do that is someone with your gumption. And that's right. what makes you unique. Right. And if I just sit back and I'm like, not going to share about it. It's the same idea of people say, how, what do you do when people ask you how many kids you have? Mm-hmm. Do you just say two? And sometimes I will feel like, I don't feel like explaining it, mm-hmm. but then other times I'm like, no, I'm, I'm his mom for, I'm not going to not tell people about him. I'm not going to back away from right. standing up for him with, you know, the bump. And I'm not going to back away from, telling the ra- the random person in line at Target that these are not my only two children. I'm just, I'm going to tell them. And that's not the most comfortable thing to do. But if I've learned anything in like marriage and business and like our, you know, relationship coaching is that growth happens when people do things that suck and feel horrible. Mm-hmm. Like Michael and I, like the breakthrough stuff that we've realized in our marriage that has transformed how we relate to one another is when both of us are bawling and being like, oh my gosh, that's what that's what we're choosing. Like we're mm-hmm. choosing patterns that are not healthy. Like you just have to be in a place of being uncomfortable in order to see anything change for the good. 100%. And that's true about life in general. I mean, I mean, if I don't work out to the point of feeling exhausted, I'm not going to see any change. Right, exactly. And like the emotional safekeeping of the person that you're talking to isn't your job. I think that's something you have to learn too, is like when you're a person that really wants people around you to be comfortable and you have an EQ, why, why should I be dishonest just to save them? You know, it's a little bit of, yeah, it's, it's funny how people shoulder the burden of the people that they're interacting with when they don't need to be. Yes. And that happens a lot in, um, like when, when you lose a child, cause you're telling someone and, and oh, there's so many times where I was talking to people and I'm like telling them like what it was like. And I love to talk about it. Like mm-hmm. I, that's all I have of him is mm-hmm. to talk to people yeah. about him. So I love talking about him. And, but some people, I think they're worried that I'm just going to burst into tears mm-hmm. and see them getting upset. And so I'm feeling like I'm backpedaling and I'm like mm-hmm. trying to make them feel better because right. I'm talking about my tragedy. I'm like, this is all messed up. This is, this is so strange. That, that is the conundrum of uh, sharing a difficult, I, I like just a totally different, but like being like at Virginia tech when yes. the, yes. anytime I talk about Virginia tech, that gets brought up yes. and then I can talk about it and it's like a very intense thing. And it's just not always like a casual thing to talk about in passing. Right. And then, yeah, people, and then people get upset, and I'm like, yeah, never mind, it's fine, it wasn't that bad, I don't know. Like, <laughs> right, right. But, but you're like, it was that bad, but you don't need to, oh, it, it's such a weird thing. It's a dance. Yes, It's it an is. interesting thing, and per what you said about, you know, with you and Michael, like, how, you know, you have to get comfortable being uncomfortable to make any progress. Yes. yes. Um, I loved the speech you gave yesterday when you, you, all of your couples were here, and you were like, we want to be people that are cool saying marriage is hard. Yeah. And Kelly and I were like, that's awesome. 
Nobody yeah. wants to say that. But no. the thing is, like, you're committed. to It's going to work. You're committed right. to it. Like, right. it's fine. You're not on the brink. Yes. You're just saying, like. <laughs> I'm just admitting what no one else wants to admit. Did I get her? Kelly. Oh, it's not Kelly. Oh, it's not? I don't know who it was. Oh. Is it, is it Kelly? Yeah. <laughs> I literally did not know who that was. <laughs> Kelly, come sit for a sec. Come on in. It's so funny. Just a couple of gals. Hi, did you bring baked goods? I did. Oh my god. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't know no, we're fine. fine. Um, to remind you of Italy and all your time oh there. Oh my gosh. Just a little tiramisu. Are Stay you serious? Since I know you're resting. Oh, you're so sweet. <laughs> you are so sweet. Don't want to risk anything. You know? Don't want to risk. <laughs> no, it's actually so perfect that we're still recording because earlier I was talking about you know my fears of motherhood, given I'm not domestic but I have a sister and mother who like just. Oh. Seem to have it all together. My sister's showing up to pick me up. I I didn't drive myself here. (laughs) And she just made a fresh tiramisu this morning (laughs) to bring to Kayla. On a whim. Just chill out. Yes. Well, we're almost done. Okay. Come chill. No. (laughs) I don't have ingredients for cereal most of the time. You know, she has like lady fingers lying around. Oh it's pretty impressive. Um, no, but I just, I really, um, I loved that you said that because uh, the one thing that I, every time we get in, Greg and I get in a fight, I'm like, I wish I had a barometer for how bad this is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I need to compare it to everyone else. Like, is yeah. this bad? Like we need to go talk to someone bad or is this like, oh, everybody does yeah. it. Yeah. And you have this high school sweetheart story and you, yeah. and Michael's the best too. And like, you you'd really you do have a great marriage and you see it on social media but i do think it probably means a lot to people when you can admit that you fight or that you oh. uh, you a coach helps point out your shortcomings to help yes. you like. or like just that we we're realizing that a lot of people settle for a level of happiness in marriage it's not really even happiness it's not thriving but it's yeah. just you look Tolerance. around and you're like this is i mean everyone's got stuff it's right. like right but i want to be like the people that don't settle for like the the normal like oh it's just stuff right you know what i mean like i like why can't you be happy yeah or, or why can't we fix this right we don't have to do this forever right so anyway that's but, no i that's such a good point and like kelly i need to pay i need to like bill caitlin my insurance she just helped me work through a lot of my issues <laughs> <laughs> she's basically going to become a mom she's going to spend more time not working no i just like had this really major <laughs> Thank you. I had this big look in the mirror of like, of, uh, how the few times Greg will say in passing, like I, you know, like, will you watch TV with me? Will you sit with me? Will you do this with me? And it's some, it's an innocuous activity that I'm like, well, that thing matters a lot less than my thing, but it's not the show. It's the quality time. It is the quality time. And that's what I forget. And, but I'm going to let you go. I just have to ask you a few questions that people ask me. Oh my gosh. Is that okay? Oh no, I love this. Obviously I'm answering questions like five minutes at a time. So obviously I'm not like wanting to run out. No, of I think you're actually good at being succinct. Like really you have answers. Yeah. Oh. I, I am definitely a, it, it takes me a long way to get to back to my plane. destination. <laughs> um, but no, you were so nice to sit down with me. Oh, I, I always, I, I just am not, my nature is not brief. Like I just like to sit down and talk to people and like really so good get into with it. words. I literally Thanks. marvel at how like you can get such well-formed sentences out of your mouth without trying but once you just try oh, once that's and it's really like, nice yes. thank you don't you think that oh, absolutely. It just kind of flows out i'm like how did you even think of that word it makes me sound very uneducated <laughs> stop <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, that's so sweet no but truly like you're just one of those people that 
and a lot of people started in like 2010, they're OG bloggers, whatever. And over time, they just disconnect from their audience. Mm-hmm. You've managed to become more endearing, to engage people more, to let us in more in a way that you're very much an arbiter of, of, of joy and of vulnerability and of all the things that Instagram isn't enough of. Mm-hmm. And all the people that follow me that follow you are obsessed with you. Oh. And I just, you know, I think it's hard to understand your reach and your the importance of what you're doing day to day when it just seems like you're, it's your life, right? Right. right. It's that's true. And that what it true. looks like on the other end of it. And I think, just think it's important to know that your influence has so largely positive and important. And not only do you make and share beautiful things, you also have such a beautiful and important story and it's helped a lot of people. Thank and I just you. hope you know how much we all love you. Thank you. It was an honor to be on here. I have a lot of brides that are very obsessed with you in the same way. And so it was just an honor to be, and just to spend more time with you. I, I know. Like, this really, so this is like our second friend hang. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Besides your wedding. <laughs> like, tell right. me all your hopes, dreams, fears, and regrets. Perfect. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Oh, love well, it. thanks, Caitlin. You're welcome. I hope you guys enjoyed that interview. My gosh, I listened to it so many times. It, what I actually am going to do is I'm going to put the Q&A portion up on Patreon, patreon.com slash be there in five. It's just like my... Uh, bonus episode uh, web portal it's behind like a dollar a month paywall but also i put kind of things i have to cut out for time um it's such a fun section but this it, this would have gone on over uh two and a half hours and it's kind of like it'll choppier to hear because it's kind of me caitlin and kelly talking but it's really fun i just thought it was you know kind of it would be good to split it up and the song i played in the intro the few bars of that uh spoiler alert may or may not be her cruise ship karaoke song of choice. Truly, that was such a meaningful conversation. One of my favorite episodes I've ever done. And I really just can't thank her enough for giving me her very valuable time and for being so open with the Be There in Five audience. Um, make sure to follow her at Caitlin James on Instagram, CaitlinJamesPhotography.com. I believe it's CaitlinJamesBlog.com. Caitlin also launched yesterday this business makeover course that, like, is it was a year in the making about you know photography is not just about the the end product the creativity and the execution there's so much business-wise that goes on behind the scenes and I think it's kind of it can be hard for creative entrepreneurs to like get a good grasp on the business side of things and I was actually reading about the class yesterday she didn't ask me to talk about this but she is saying that 80 percent of photography businesses don't even last five years because they're working too hard for too little profit and often lack basic business skills despite their creative abilities. And it's a free training. I mean, there's really no reason I'm thinking of doing I don't have a photography business, but the link for that's in her bio business makeover registration dot And she also does a 30 day trial um, for Caitlin for KJ All Access, which is like the docu series that's like behind being a wedding photographer. It's just it's so brilliant. Like I, I was playing the podcast out loud last night for my husband and she was talking about KJ All Access. I see like him calculating in his head and he's like what what are we doing clowning around like whatever you do whatever skills that you have like go do that go figure out that business model that is so smart and I was like I know I I truly it's incredible honestly I kind of want to subscribe just so I can like watch you know Caitlin and Michael and have like fun moments with brides and grooms like it's a Netflix special you know Kelly and I had um the best time at the cookout Greg couldn't go so I brought my sister and um so uh, I'll end this shortly um, but yeah, so I didn't, I don't know, I guess I, I don't know why I thought like it more, more like family members would be there, but like it was literally brides, grooms and kids. And then me and my sister, which we could have been a same sex couple, 
or we could have been crashing the party. And I do believe Michael's father <laughs> thought we were crashing because I believe the moment when he like saw us is when we were in line, we were getting sangria. My sister and I have weird fruit allergies. We don't disclose this on RSVPs. Like we, we're not going to die. It's a discomfort thing. And we're not going to rain on somebody else's pitted fruit parade for our own comfort. So we just dodge stuff we can't have. So, um, the the sweet man that was making sangria we were like hey sorry um can we get a glass of sangria but just like without the sangria and like basically can you just give us both a cup of wine and then so we're like making this really weird request we're the only two like women there together and then like we don't really give ourselves context we're just like hi hi nice to see you and i think at the end of the party michael's dad thought we were definitely party crashers and to his credit he didn't stop us but Made me laugh really hard. Very sorry. Uh, I'm sure that was wildly off-putting. And you're so nice to host us. And I hope <laughs> we're allowed back. And can we just laugh that my sister comes... Okay, not only did I not drive myself to interview Caitlin, my my sister, my parents drove us. <laughs> I'm helpless. I'm such a youngest child. I'm 32. My sister, my parents dropped me off. My sister picked me up. And when she picked me up beforehand, she decides to whip up some tiramisu um, from scratch. She had lady fingers and the like laying around and bring it to Caitlin and Michael as a reminder of my wedding in Italy. But because she knew Caitlin was breastfeeding, did not include booze because, you know, usually there's like an espresso liqueur combo that it, that the lady fingers and whatnot are soaked in. Um, and I don't know, like that is my sister to a T and she didn't even know we were talking about her and she didn't even know what she was it just made me laugh so hard like if your sister asked you for a ride home you know would you hang back and make tiramisu from scratch for your sister's wedding photographer (laughs) there's no there's no hospitality uh, stone left unturned in kelly kennedy's world and for that i adore her you might have guessed by now words of affirmation is is my love language as you might have also guessed from the over two hours of this podcast in which I've been talking, but God love you for still being here. So I will wrap up here. Uh, don't forget to follow at Caitlin James. Also follow Michael. Michael, her husband and business partner, is the best. You can find him at Michael Alsup. He's the nicest guy. He has the best energy. Loved having him around, too, on the wedding day. He's a great photographer and just, like, all-around delight. And um, I think I'm also partial because, like, Caitlin told me he laughs at my Instagram stories. And that's, like, you know, major brownie points in my book. Tiramisu points, if you will. Um, And lastly, Caitlin, please don't be mad at me. (laughs) But... I know, you know, I I played a few bars of the old How Do I Live earlier in this podcast, and I'm sure people were like, weird song choice. Um, But I still can't believe you sing that karaoke. It's so incredibly hard. But it reminded me that, oh, like you can sing, like you have an insane voice. And I, I love karaoke. I love singing. I can't sing. And when people can sing and downplay it, I always want to, pun intended, sing their praises for them. And like, just in case, like, I don't know, Michael had like a YouTube channel from like 2009 and upload her on a cruise ship singing how do i live i just thought i'd do a quick youtube search and but what came up is her singing uh my favorite church song of all time it's one of the few songs that i just i genuinely adore it was 
one of the hymns, one of the only hymns at my wedding, the church was very strict about music, especially no secular music, but How Great Thou Art was like the main song. Had I known she could sing it, I would have been like, put down your camera, get up at the altar, girlfriend. But um, needless to say, it was I, it was very emotional and amazing to hear her sing this and kind of an interesting coincidence. I mean, I know it's like a, a, a classic church song, but still, it's, it's my favorite. And I thought it was really neat. And I hope, you know, I always have a exit song. I often ask the person to choose it, but in this case, I'm choosing for you. And please forgive me, but to to not share after listening to this would be to truly rob the world of, of what is one of your many gifts. And I think people will really enjoy. Full disclosure, I took this off of YouTube from um, two years ago. Uh, there's a very popular event at Gaten Church called the Jazz Nativity, and that is what this clip is from. But anyway, guys, I hope you have a great rest of your week. I'm putting out a Kate Lila uh, episode shortly that um, is answering listener questions. Just have to sift through some of the new ones on the hotline from this morning. And for bonus episodes, go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash be there in five. It's just a way to support the podcast behind a paywall. And I put up bonus episodes of things I maybe wouldn't say on the regular podcast or are niche and specific. I'm working on so much stuff for Patreon, and I feel like there's been a few week gap since I put stuff on there. So rest assured, it is in the pipeline. And uh, thanks to Lola, go to mylola.com. Use code be there in five for 30% off your first month subscription. And lastly, speaking of subscription, I would love it if you subscribed and rated and reviewed the podcast. Give us five stars. It makes a world of difference. And uh, yeah, you guys are the best. So as always, let me know your thoughts and I will let you know mine. I'll be there in five. I swear. Wish I